Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 81 of the Whatever Show. Um, I got the number right on the last one, but I didn't post the right goddamn thing, so at least I'm starting off on a half-decent note. Who knows, maybe I'll post episode number 99 or something like that when we actually get to the, the, the real show. Welcome to the real episode number 81. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, <hell. laughs> Except no substitutes, folks. Um, yeah, we got a lot of news for you this week. Uh, DC, we're going to talk about George Perez. He's had some health issues, which we're a little concerned about, but uh, it seems like it's not going to be as bad as we, we you know, originally thought. DC is planning a digital service and a Titans TV show, a live-action Titans TV show. That's going to be big. We're going to talk about that. John Barrowman and his continuing or not continuing uh, uh, playing in the CW Arrowverse. We're going to talk about that. We've got Logan in black and white. The Guardians of the Galaxy TV spot, which we just watched, which is so fantastic. We're going to talk about that, too. Um, Disclaimer, um, we don't have a ton of Marvel news this week because a good portion of the Marvel news that came out was all Guardians of the Galaxy related, um, which some of you may or may not know opened internationally already, just not here in the States. So a lot of it contains spoilers, and um, I haven't seen it yet. So, Which, isn't that crazy? That it opened internationally first? Yeah. They do that sometimes with with the Disney ones. Yeah, weird. Um, we got TV discussion. We're going to talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and alternative facts. We've got Flash Arrow, comic books, all kinds of X books came out this week, which we read and were a lot of fun. And then finally, we got wrestling. Uh, we got WWE's paperback, or paperback, payback. We're going to talk about payback tonight. Also joining us this week, Mr. Ryan Bailey. Hello, everybody. Uh, he'll probably be texting his ex-girlfriend the entire show. So, you know, <laughs> if you hear him openly weeping, that's, you know, it's probably just that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all I got. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, and then we go live to the gentleman in the studio. All right, so let's uh, let's talk um, let's talk DC. Let's talk George Perez. So, uh, so Matt, first t- tell us about George Perez because uh, he's uh, probably well known at the Whatever Show, but you may not be familiar with his work uh, if you're not into comics or a comic nerd. Uh, yeah, for those of you that uh, listen regularly, you may or may not remember that we interviewed Marv Wolfman um, around 61 episodes Which ago. We've been bringing up <laughs> for the last 61 episodes or so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've probably mentioned it at least once per. Yeah. Um, George Perez was uh, his his cohort co-creator on uh, not only um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which we've talked about ad yeah. nauseum on the show, but as well as um, uh, Teen Titans or the new Teen Titans um, they worked on that book together. Yeah. Uh, pre-crisis. So I believe it was pre-crisis. Yeah. George Perez uh, also noted, noted in the article we've got in the show notes. That's at whatever.co slash 81 or uh, in your podcast player, hopefully. Um, Deathstroke Cyborg and the transformation from of Dick Grayson from Robin to Nightwing. Uh, uh, comicbook.com says was all thanks to George Perez. So, yep. Yep. Um, so huge, huge influence, especially on, on the DC side of things. Um and by all accounts, I've not actually met the man, but by all accounts, everybody that I've ever talked to that has met him said he's just one of the most wonderful human beings on the planet. So, yeah. Anyway, the link we got in here tells you a little bit that uh, Perez has been uh, or had to cancel a scheduled appearance, unfortunately, due to some heart re- or speculated heart related uh, issues, but that he's still planned to do some later that week, I think. So it sounds like we're not uh, too far into the woods. But, you know, it's definitely a cause for concern because he is, uh, I'd say, one of the godfathers of comic book uh, creation and one of the more, you know, talented guys that, you know, 
held the pencils. So certainly one of the um, the most accredited ones. Yeah, definitely. George Perez has been all over the place. We mentioned some DC characters, but uh, again, the article we got in the show notes tells you that he's also done work on uh, a lot of Marvel stuff, yeah. including Astonishing Tales, where he got to start the Avengers, and uh, of course, he worked on Teen Titans and Crisis on Infinite Earths. So. Uh, Marv Wolfman credits him has as more of more than just an artist. Like he he's he gives him like pretty much Notes, complete co-writing yeah. credits for the stuff that they worked on together. So yeah, that's that's pretty big. I think um, yeah yeah. So George Perez definitely a big big guy in the comic book industry. We hope he's doing well uh, and we hope he makes a speedy recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I couldn't actually find a Facebook for him that looked like it was actually directly linked with him. I did, however, um, link uh, a post that uh marv wolfman posted on facebook today um about that so you can you can check that out and and join others in wishing george well yeah for sure um next up this is probably the big news of the week or i think one of the bigger pieces of the news of the week uh dc is planning a uh streaming thing uh yeah so sort of like uh netflix or hbo go or something like that dc is trying to do its own thing i guess actually the more apropos or appropriate one would be um uh comparing it to say cbs's thing that they've got going and one of the ways that they're going to try to hook us into paying whatever it is they're planning on charging for this thing is with a titans live action show Hmm. i'm i'm actually pretty excited about it um it was originally um pitched to be on the tnt network Back in the day. We talked about it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and um, that never happened. Uh, and I, it looks like it's kind of being revamped, rewritten. Um, the second piece of news in here, we'll, we'll, we'll speak to the, the writing process on this a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious about the DC-branded direct-to-consumer digital service that we're talking. Um, dude, I'm, I'm going to guess that any DC-branded um, animated movies and things like that that we might currently have on netflix uh i bet we don't have those on netflix very much longer after that service goes live i would i would imagine well it it depends on how they work it because like they've got contracts to fulfill and all that kind of stuff so uh that's that's probably true what i would assume would happen though is that any of the future uh animated dc properties uh probably go to this thing Mm -hmm. um in fact it'll be interesting to see how they decide to handle this like if they continue to do direct to dvd sort of thing that they've been doing previously with those or if they just stick them on that the dc uh, uh network thingy and um see if we'll pay for that to get those Mm-hmm. And and this the Titan series is important to note too. It is uh, actually being helmed by Berlanti. Yep. So so it's gonna. It, I, I I guarantee it's gonna tie into the other shows somehow. It it has to at least a little bit. I, I think they're gonna get at least uh, casual mentions. What'll be interesting there is since all of the other CW stuff or all of the other stuff is CW. Uh, rather than being across networks um, it'll be interesting to see if they tie in together although that was true too for supergirl season one uh, which was also supergirl season one was also a berlanti project Mm -hmm. so i guess it'd be more fair to call this the berlanti verse at this point Um, but that that obviously got a tie-in with the flash in season one so hopefully we're um, uh, looking at something like that as well probably not going to be as as you know uh sewn together as say arrow um Arrow, Flash, and Legends, uh, but I do expect some nods in there somewhere. You know, if nothing else, I, I'm pretty sure Arrow has mentioned Bloodhaven a couple of times, mm-hmm. and that's really kind of where Nightwing call uh, you know hangs up his cape. So not cape, I guess I should say batons. But and um, we are getting a Nightwing for this. This this will be like, I mean, yeah, we've got Gotham on Fox, but yeah. you know, for the Berlanti verse, this is going to be the closest thing to uh, Batman that we've had 
I, I, I do so. wonder if, if uh, he's going to talk about, like, I had the I had the hardest mentor ever, and he was, you know, very dark and brooding all the time, and then and fucking Stephen Amell walks in or something like that, because they just, they're not going to do Batman. I know. Yeah. They, they should. They really should do Batman. At this point, they're they're dancing around that Batcave so hard, like, uh, just to try to not, you know, bring that up. Same thing with Supes, uh, you know, um, which, well, I guess that's not really even true anymore, because now we've got Superman and, and uh, um, Supergirl. Uh, so it's a little bit crazy to me that we haven't gotten any mention of Batman and especially because, you know, like he's in no more notable things right now than, uh, than Superman actually is with uh, man of steel and all that kind of stuff. So just, just go ahead. Just go ahead. Dip, I dip guess there's right rights the issues with Batman. I mean, I, I actually see... think that they have mentioned Batman in the CW verse with this project. Uh, no, I, I don't think they've actually mentioned Batman. They may have given some sort of tiny little clever nod in the same way that they did with like green lantern. But with the DC thing, if they can't get the some mention of Batman, like actually say the words Batman on the the screen, I just don't know what they're doing. Like, uh, it's DC. It's well, a DC yeah. owned thing. How and, could they not mention their own? Fucking and it's property? not like their shit is all fractured like Marvel, where like certain studios own you know publication rights to certain you know properties and whatnot. Like Warner Brothers owns it all. Um. So I'm I'm just I'm curious why we we don't get more like I have heard that there's been right stuff they they were gonna do um, a young Bruce Wayne on Smallville but ran into problems legal problems with getting that done see and I can kind of see that but it's like the only thing you got to concern yourself really with uh, Batman is DC and WB like I'm pretty sure WB owns the rights for um, some of or you know like has some sort of shared right between the character with DC but they need to figure that out because- well Warner Brothers owns DC Entertainment. Okay, so there so, you go. Like, it, I it's, mean, it's it's just but how they figure out working between there. But it, like, if DC can't use Batman in a show, you know, about Nightwing, if they cannot bring that into the fold somehow, I just, what are you even doing? Yeah, yeah, kind of begs the question why. So, um, there is another piece of big news that comes along with this. Um, not the one that Eddie thinks it is, but this is mentioned in the article too that a lot of people might be interested in. Um. It looks like we're getting a third season of Young Justice that'll be on this new digital streaming network. Yeah, no, actually, that is the big news I was thinking about in this that's not Titans. And that's kind of another interesting thing because we were getting a, a third season of Young Justice for a long time because Netflix actually put Young Justice on Netflix and was gauging fan reaction. Mm-hmm. And we talked, I think we talked about this on the show. There were rumors that they were going to do a third season of Young Justice. Uh, um, if it got enough popularity through Netflix, it was rumored that Netflix was going to produce a third season. And so Netflix kind of had that rug ripped right out from under them, I would assume. They were kind of just like, nah, we're going to do our own thing. Yeah. So yeah, it seems like that. This is sort of unfortunate. Uh, sort of fortunate, sort of unfortunate. Like, I do like the idea that there is um, one place I can go watch all my digital shit. Like it for a while, it was like, oh, if you wanted to stream anything, you just go to Netflix and it's, you know, it's either there or it doesn't exist. Um, at least legally. Uh, and now we've kind of branched off into like, we are finally kind of getting the a la carte channeling that the people have wanted for a long time. Like a lot of people have said for a long time, I don't want to pay this much for cable, especially when I only watch three channels. I just want to pay for the three channels I want to watch. And so we're getting a little bit closer to that because with CBS's streaming service, with Netflix, with Amazon Prime, with uh, now this DC thing, with things like the WWE Network and MLB at bat. And uh, I'm sure the uh, uh, NFL and, and, and uh, you know, what NBA have something along those lines. Not really. NBA and NFL don't. No, MLB wow, MLB is is uh, ahead of the curve compared to the rest of the anything else. Um, UFC's Fight Pass is maybe the closest thing 
um, in the WWE network. Yeah, but, I guess that's true. The biggest thing I do continue to hear from people about like not getting rid of cable is because they want to watch sports. And so, uh, yeah, that would that would be that. But anyway, we're getting to that point now where you really have to get you know seventeen different services if you want to watch all of these different pieces of content. So, yeah, um, that's both fortunate and unfortunate because on the one hand, you know, when we, we've seen the model that Netflix has had, where it's like you know ten dollars a month or less, and you can get pretty much everything, and now we're seeing a model where like you pay ten dollars a month but you pay it for like 15 different services or something so um that's kind of interesting because i guess it allows you to control a little bit more what you pay for and what you want to watch um but on the other hand it's a little bit of a bummer because um i I don't really want to you know i just want to pay less uh, um and and only really get the things that i want which you know sounds absurd when you say it that way but it's true yeah quite honestly if 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 i had the option of just like paying to watch the cw shows that i watch every week um and paying to watch uh, which I guess I don't even need that. I guess if I had a, a an HD antenna, I could probably watch CW and Fox and all that kind of stuff. See, that's what's crazy without. about this to me too. Like you would hope that these were priced in a manner that you know was relevant to like. Uh, so how much does it cost to watch CBS for most people? Uh, nothing, because you can even you know t- take it over, over broadcast airwaves. Because the way that CBS makes money is through uh, commercials and all that kind of shit. So I would hope that what they would do is you just go to a website and watch CBS through that and pay some nominal fee, like two dollars a month to cover bandwidth or some shit like that. Um, Chances are good you probably pay extra for your local programming through cable or satellite anyway, because it's they're yeah. already free and you're you're actually just paying more. And instead, what we got is like uh, a lot of these places are pricing themselves more like a premium thing. So like yeah. uh, um, HBO is probably the the most notable of these where HBO, just to get HBO content, you pay significantly more than basically all of the other streaming services. Um, I, I can't remember what it is. I, th- I want to say it's like 15 or $20 a month compared to Netflix, which was like $9 a month. Amazon Prime, which is $99 a year. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, something like $11 a month. Uh, the network is only ten bucks a month. Um, shit, uh, CBS thing. I think it's only supposed to be five. Six. I'm not I sure. think it's five ninety nine. Yeah, uh, Hulu. I think was only like nine or ten dollars a month. I think there's two plans for Hulu now because I think you can get one. There's there's the regular plan and the ad free, and then there's the ad free. Yeah, um, which isn't a hundred percent ad free. I don't think. Yeah, but I I kind of wish that's the way it existed. Like, give me the things through the internet and let me watch on demand, and it, it, let me watch it for free with ads. Or let me pay a nominal fee. Like, I'd pay five bucks a month for, you know, some of these channels just so I can watch the things I wanted to watch but not have ads. If, in all seriousness, I think if um, they could do Monday Night Raw and, and, and SmackDown live on the network at, as it aired, I, I, I probably wouldn't have cable at this point. I mean, other than yeah. AMC, I, I watch AMC, you know, for four does, month spurts does AV, amc i think do they have a digital thingy no you have to have cable yeah you do you, you have to sign yeah. in with your cable yeah, see, that's, to watch that's online. even more bullshit when you know it's a, it exists but you have to have cable and, and usually you know that's the other thing that sucks is like if you only want amc you can't get you know like a basic package with four channels and then get amc added onto it like yeah. that's the other thing like a lot of this problem wouldn't exist for the cable companies if they would just give customers what they wanted for you know the longest of times now from a cash flow standpoint, though, I don't know that it's profitable for somebody like Vince McMahon to uh, pull SmackDown Live and Raw off cable and and go with the network because they make so much money off of ad revenue. And oh, it, it's obviously not. And they Otherwise, get paid they by USA have. Network to be there. So what'll be interesting though is that um, if it does become the case that it is, because like my kids, 
um, for example, will have grown up basically not really ever having cable. Like I, I'm fully confident that by the time my kids move out, it won't even be a considerate. It's like when we moved out, it was like, uh, people were like, are you going to get a landline? It's like, fuck no. Why would I get a landline? Uh, and so by the time my kids move out, I'm sure it's going to be like, fuck no. Why would we buy cable? You know, we have the yeah. internet. Um, there are services out there already. Like sling TV is kind of getting more and more popular as it's getting a lot more backing from some of the other networks and whatnot. But I mean, it's still in all, I mean, you're still talking about like 60, 70 bucks for the premium sling package as well, which at that point you're basically buying cable. Yeah. See, that's the thing I want to get out of. I don't want to pay $80 a month for a whole ton of content that I just don't care about. Yeah. I only watch four channels. Really? You know, know, four channels, if that, or I guess really the shorter way to say it is I probably watch about six or seven different channels, but I really only watch about six or seven different shows as well. So like I watch the CW stuff. That's three or four shows. I watch Legion, which is another show. I watch uh, the walking dead into the badlands and a couple of other small things. Um, um, But you know, when you break it down, I don't watch a ton of TV and I don't watch nearly, you know, enough to justify really paying what they want me to pay for cable to do it. So yeah, we we have HBO because we have it through the when I Some when I signed up for the cable deal. Thing. Yeah, that's, so that's the same way I have it too. It, it's it, fortunate because you know I do want some of that content, but it's free for two years for me. I literally have not watched it at all because I mean, obviously, you've made fun of me for years about not watching Game of Thrones. That's the only reason that I even care that it exists on my package is because I can watch Game of Thrones through the HBO Go app. Yeah, but I I, I literally don't watch it. Yeah, no, so. I haven't. I haven't really watched HBO either, which is kind of funny. They they do have a lot of content. Like that's another show that like if I ha- or uh, channel if I had more time, I'd probably watch a lot more of their stuff. Like I have watched Silicon Valley, which is really really good. Mm-hmm. I've watched a couple episodes of Veep, which I actually really enjoyed too. Veep is hilarious. I've watched Veep, but not through yeah, <laughs> not through my own subscription. I've watched yeah. it elsewhere. Yeah, same. Um, well, actually, no, I did watch Veep at home. So that, the, that yeah, the the two the two things that I've ever watched on HBO the entire time I've had it is. I was flipping through channels and Deadpool was on and I was like, well, I'll just leave it here. And then like <laughs> same thing with like Batman versus Superman was on. I was just like, well, and those are movies that I already own. I could watch them anytime yeah. I want to. Yeah. But I was just like, well, they're here. Yeah. So it's kind of the worst example of like why you'd want HBO. Like when I was a kid, you wanted HBO because they had all these movies on. and you could, That was the easiest way to go see a whole bunch of different movies. Uh, or Sometimes the there's boobs ways. on at night. Yeah, that's true, too. Mm-hmm. Cinemax. That's why you wanted Cinemax, actually. Or Showtime. Red Shoe Diaries. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, David Duchovny. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I used to w- watch the the those channels for movies, and now that I'm you know a grown up, the the main reason I want them is for their original produced content. You know, like Game of Thrones, like Veep, like Silicon Valley, etc. Yeah. Hey, I got a question. Shoot, who's writing the new Titan series? That's a good question. I hope you're leading into something because I don't I don't know. <laughs> You posted the link, you asshole. Oh, oh, yes, I did. I did. I do know. I do know. It's it's Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns is going to consult on on the Titans TV show. He's writing it right now, as a matter of fact. In fact, he was tweeting about it the other day, and I, I, I replied via the show account before I read all of the rest of the responses. I was like, please let it be a comic book, and it's not. <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, Jeff Johns is going to uh, help write for that, which is... Man, that guy's dance card is fucking full, don't you think? Like, what is he not in what like what is he not working on quality uh dceu movies <laughs> i hope he's not because if so he's not really hitting the mark so far yeah we'll talk about that in a minute yeah all right so anything on the dc streaming thing you want to talk about no i think i'm good yeah cool um other than i'll probably buy it 
so spe- again dc well i i think i probably will too there's a very good chance if nothing else because i'm really going to want to see titans live action um and see especially you know how they handle relationships because all of those characters like when you think about titans what it really is is kind of like um um all the hero sidekicks uh you know the main hero sidekicks essentially and so i'm curious about how they handle some of that stuff and if it leads to further you know like green dude, lantern dude maybe we get arsenal maybe we do maybe maybe this Colton leads Haynes into joining the cast would give it a lot of juice i think what and what if something like a green green lantern tv show happened on the dcu thing uh the, i mean that'd be like an instant day one purchase for me yeah so for sure. dc if you're listening you know what to do uh, but anyway they're also coming under fire dc is for lack of marketing around wonder woman yeah there's actually a couple different reasons um that i posted this because number one i don't know that it's entirely true because they've given us a lot of good trailers it's just most of the trailers that we've seen so far have been almost entirely centered around um uh captain kirk and wonder woman yeah i don't think that's entirely fair but they are you know kind of um one of the reasons there's backlash is because we have barely got even a slight glimmer of a of of a view of Ares, who's the big bad. Yeah. Um, and that didn't happen until this last week, and it's still like it's a from behind shot, and like he's barely visible for a few frames. Yeah. So, um, this is interesting to me because I think they're probably actually not doing anything wrong, but I think they're coming under criticism because this is a female driven. Uh, movie and so we're looking for reasons to be mad at dc for not pushing it as hard well the article that we uh posted in the show notes we uh, be, by, by, we i mean you uh that we just actually sourced it already once this show comicbook.com um it kind of talks about how it's treated you know even on the youtube page where the youtube page is like easy practically free marketing for them mm-hmm. like i don't think they really pay anything for that um but it you know goes on to show about how um the 30 days away from uh, um, the the release of Wonder Woman in theaters, we've got only you know five videos compared to Justice League, which is still over a year away and has seven. Um, right. And there's a whole bunch of it compares it against other you know DC properties like Suicide Squad, Batman vs Superman, etc. And they're all getting a lot more juice um, on the YouTube page. For example, um, well here's here's the thing though, none of those movies have been spectacularly successful yeah. for them and. So what we're looking at here is maybe a more cautious approach to marketing. And I think one of our biggest complaints about the big bad of DC um, or the uh, Dawn of Justice was the whole we saw Doomsday in the trailer. Like that should have been a big surprise. There should have been a big reveal. Um, And I feel like maybe we're being just a little bit more cautious this time about it. Yeah. And when I say we, I mean DC and I'm not affiliated with them in any way, shape or form because otherwise I'd be paid more. You, what's interesting um i don't know maybe they don't have a lot of faith in the movie or maybe they think it's going to turn out to be total crap and it, that's entirely possible maybe it is going to be and maybe that's not why they're pushing it because you know we had suicide squad that's the other you know like kind of bullet point in this article that's kind of interesting to me suicide squad had, had playlist had 30 freaking videos uh for suicide squad which was you know vastly more than any other film that dc's done and then look at how that turned out right. um so yeah i don't know Th- this is uh I'm kind of watching that. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of marketing uh, Wonder Woman receives because it is an all-female helmed project. And honestly, my gut says it's probably not going to get the marketing that it would if it were uh, um, a uh, Zack Snyder picture. Yeah, uh, <laughs> under undeservedly so, most likely. Um, but you know, like comparing it to other things like the Justice League, like absolutely the justice league is going to be the biggest thing that dc does and so it's going to get the biggest marketing push it surprises me not at all 
that the Justice League would completely dwarf any other project, especially not especially, but any other project that um, DC does, including Wonder Woman. Yeah, um, honestly, I I'm more hopeful for this movie than I have been many of the other DC movies so far. Although I really do, I, I really do pop every time I see the Justice League stuff happen. Oh, I, I got to be honest. So do I. I mean, like Justice League on on a big screen ad- adaptation is something I've wanted to see since I was a kid. Um, just without a doubt, like DC, DC superheroes teaming up. Um, although I am, you know, also most excited probably here for the Trinity, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. So I, I want them to set this up as the first really strong, you know, tentpole of the Trinity. And then hopefully, um, that'll help even pick up, uh, DC even more. So, yeah, here's, here's the thing. Um, I'm actually Patty Jenkins, the director seems to be balls to the wall on this, um, She's, uh, in fact, already started to pitch ideas for the sequel. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, hopefully the folks at Warner slash DC are receptive because um, so far the previews for this movie look amazing. And I, I, I really am super excited to go watch it. The fact that it's, you know, a month away at this point. Yeah, it was really like time passes very quickly and I don't notice until I read something like that. Like we're just 30 days away. Like for me, 30 days is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to blink and that's going to be here. 32 days, two hours, 45 minutes and zero seconds. <laughs> Did you find a countdown page? It's on the IMDb page. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, whether or not they're going to market it, I'm pretty sure we're going to because I, we're marking out pretty hard for this. So um, have you noticed that, too? Wrestling terms just slip right into real life all the time. Yeah, I yeah. In fact, I just mentioned that I popped every time I see the (laughs) Justice League stuff. And everybody else is like, what the hell kind of slang are they using? Is he he having an orgasm over a movie? Yeah. 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 Uh, Yes, probably. But I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But my my heart says yes. Uh, If I shake the magic eight ball, it says all signs point to yes. Um, All right. So next piece of news. John Barrowman. Uh, looks like he's not going to be in the CW verse after this season. Yeah, this isn't 100% legit confirmed. In fact, um, what we've heard so far is that he he talked about it on stage at a con recently, and, and a fan who was there, you know, caught some of it. I haven't seen any live video. I've only seen a picture of him actually on stage. Um, and then that information coming out that, you know, he is, in fact, probably leaving afterward. Yeah, so it's funny because this article we posted from HeroicHollywood.com says that John Barrowman has confirmed he will not be part of this DC TV Arrowverse. God, we just got to really pick one thing to call this shit and stick with it. Uh, but anyway, uh, has confirmed he won't be part of the thing for the 2017 to 2018 season. And their source, of course, is a tweet by some random dude. Yeah. No, that might be a random girl. I can't tell from the profile picture. Pilar Pedraza uh, at Pilar Sita uh, uh, on Twitter says, John Berman tells Crayon at Planet Comic Con he will not be part of the DC Universe next season. Which, but then, like, the rest of the article also kind of speaks a lot to, like, it's a really final sounding thing. Yeah. When in fact, like if, if this is what he said, then he really just said that his next season that he might not be there. So who knows what the options are later on. Yeah. That's also not shocking either. Like we've kind of watched Barrowman and, and not really been expecting him to return as much as he has. Like I, I was pretty sure Barrowman was done after season two of arrow. And then of course he, no, that's not true. Season three of arrow. Um, and then, 
no, that's yeah. If we go back, I mean, he was kind of the big bad for season one. Season two, I wasn't really expecting to see a lot of him. Uh, season three, he became a bigger part than I really, really expected. And then, of course, he went on to do Legends, and Legends had had a pretty heavy involvement of him. Been um, a huge part of that this year. So. But I'm also not expecting that Legends is going to center around the Legion of Doom the way that they have for this last season for in perpetuity. No, so, we'll move along to um, something new next year. That was just kind of like Legends is all. Legends all sometimes feels like an also ran in that. Um, they sort of recycle stuff from the other the, the main DC shows, but they do um, it really well. They they do, and it doesn't really come across that way on on screen. They tell good stories with it. It is a little bit like a comic book in that way, like um, where you see you know villains from the Flash show up in Batman and that kind of thing, depending on you know who we're talking about and and vice versa uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that that part of it is actually kind of cool because they use them, I think, really well. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that about some X Men comics here coming up later. Yeah, I think we definitely are. So um, so anyway, well, I I don't know at this point. I'm I I'm sad to see Barrowman go because I like Barrowman as an actor. But on the other hand, I'm not really sad to see Malcolm Merlin because I kind of think his character's just about run its course. You know. Hey, you know what? The, the the beauty part of it is is you know we're getting a new doctor for next season so maybe he's gonna reprise his role as Captain Jack Harkness and you know welcome the new doctor I would be really excited if that's the case but I doubt it have you heard who the rumored is that the, that is gonna be the new doctor I have not uh God what's her name her name is probably the part we want to pause on because yeah. her is a very very interesting rumor yeah um the nerdist report of this is almost almost as though it was like complete fact and we didn't talk about it at all um yeah while you're digging that up i'm gonna move us on to marvel and then we'll, go for we'll it. come back to that um so in the marvel news section this week we've got logan actually logan news um we of course really loved the movie um i actually had the pr- pleasure of uh reading one of my uh twitter favorites and actually just like favorite personalities does a lot of podcasts and stuff that i like uh, max temkin also creator of cards against humanity um, posted that he just saw the movie this week and he really loved it. He's, which is funny because he's a nerd for this kind of stuff, but not nearly in the way that we are. And he's much more likely to find a, a movie that we would probably give a pass because it's, you know, capes and cows that we, and shit we like. Uh, but he really, really liked this movie and said, you know, it's kind of this weird cross between like, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, uh, Children of Men, and, uh, one other flick that I'm forgetting right now, which I thought was actually pretty, uh, a, a pretty solid comparison. Um, and even kind of made better a little bit by this rumor and this well not rumor this is a thing that's happening um logan's going to return to theaters uh probably only very limited showings i think it's only coming to our area for like one day or some shit like that it's only coming out for one day period okay so one day period but it's going to return in a black and white uh screening may 16th may 16th so that i think is kind of a cool thing to do um because i do really think that as much as this is a superhero movie it's not like there's so many things about this movie that make it completely different from what we've seen from the rest of the genre that the more and more i think about this the more i like it actually yeah um i'm i'm down for going again uh it's just a matter of whether or not it actually is even going to come around to where we're at yeah that's that's kind of my thing because i think uh the black and white could add a lot to it especially emotionally because you don't necessarily see I mean, I presume if nothing else, it'll come to Portland. I just don't know if I'm going to make a trek to Portland instead of just like setting a filter in VLC or something like that. Right. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I, I was just actually thinking about this. Like I keep, um, you know, again, cause time has no meaning to me at this point for the, a lot of the things. And I keep just like looking and being like, is Logan out yet? Is Logan out yet? Can I go watch that again? And it's still not, but, uh, that, that's primarily why I was excited about this because I was just literally thinking, I think as you text me, uh, that we, we've got to go do this, um, that I really want to see it again, but you know, here we are. And I don't know when it's going to be out, if it's going to come anywhere near us and be feasible to go do, but I really do want to. I saw it again recently at the picks when they had it. Oh, you did? Like two weeks ago. What did you think? Hold up. Bigger, better, less? Uh, I loved on it. On reviewing? Yeah. Okay. I loved it more. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's one of the movies that I really can't see um, not holding up well. No, I just, as I rethink about how they handled Logan and what they did with the characters and kind of the movie as a whole, it, just rethinking through it, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, rewatching it is going to, um, shave off some of this a little bit but no just as i'm thinking about it i'm just thinking man that was such a great movie like uh really kind of sets a bar i think for what what they can do with this genre okay quick segue back to doctor who doctor who so the rumored replacement um for uh peter capaldi yeah michaela cole She's um she's gonna break more than one barrier if this is actually true. Um, well, see, th- there's a little bit of interesting things here because number one, um, our companion this season actually, so we, the season eleven, I don't fucking know. I think this is eleven. Yeah, season eleven, I think returned this this series, last couple series eleven. Series eleven returned this last couple. Sorry for our friends over the pond. Uh, series eleven returned this last um week or week before that. Yeah, I think we're only two or three episodes in now, so three weeks ago. And uh, the companion this this uh, time around is a character named Bill, who is a black lady from Great Britain, who is also a lesbian. And the first episode mm-hmm. opens up with sort of this like lesbian romance plot a little bit. You know, so it's a, it's a sideline. It's not really the focus of the episode, but it's kind of interesting because it does show me that they're kind of willing to go that direction a little bit. And we've had rumors for of a female doctor for a really long time. So this uh you can go check out her imdb page uh for michaela cole she's she's most notably known for a bbc series called chewing gum yeah uh which unfortunately we're americans and i have no fucking idea what that is we're not cultured so no no um i get all my news through uh uh, fox and and so on so i I can't i I can't spare any extra brain cells um no i just don't know that show i'm sorry um but anyway, Michaela Cole, if you go to her IMDb page, you will probably notice a couple of things, especially as it relates to Doctor Who. Number one, she is a female. We have not had a female doctor. Number two, she is black. Uh, we have not had a black doctor or any doctor of color whatsoever. So um, that is a ballsy move. Although I will say I kind of generally feel like, um, and maybe not so much after Brexit, but I had always gotten the, the impression that um, Doctor Who was willing to, to go a little bit further than, uh, you know, whatever the American equivalents of the time were. Um, like, I think it's it's pretty ballsy of them already having Bill, who's, you know, a, a, a black character who's also a lesbian on the show as a regular character. Um, because, uh, you know, like I just kind of picture the studio meetings where they're like, uh, we can't have a lesbian because they're going to, you know, we're going to lose this demo or something like that. Yeah. You know, because it's not exactly like... Like the watchers of Doctor Who necessarily have to be some uber sophisticated audience or anything like that, but I do think it does kind of skew a little bit more towards like the say um, Star Trek audience, and the Star Trek audience I think is much more likely to accept um, sort of social justice causes and stuff like that uh, um, um, more readily and willing. So uh, I've thought about this a lot, and you know, for me, we've accepted a lot of bullshit in the Doctor Who universe to begin with, like um, Doctor Who in general, the whole idea like, of regenerations, like deadly angels. 
Yeah, then, then they like, really they, fucked that up after the first one. They should have just left it with Blink. But anyway, um, they we, we've already kind of accepted these sort of weird circumstances around Doctor Who, you know, as it relates to, uh, you know, sort of exterior world factors, you know. So, like, regeneration in general is just because uh, the first Doctor, Hartnell, uh, I think it's Hartnell, Hartnett, Hartnell, Hartnell. Hartnett's the guy from the uh, teen movies. Um, Hartnell couldn't continue, and so they want and they wanted to keep the show going. So they they you know did the regeneration thing, and so there's no reason that they couldn't write it in that he regenerates as a woman, and or and and I, I think honestly regenerating as a different uh, uh, race is the least trouble because he randomly regenerates as a Scottish guy all the time, you know. So yeah, um, if they do go with a stuffy white guy. <laughs> Again, like my, I really kind of had my hopes set on uh, Anthony Stewart head because I think he'd make an amazing doctor. Oh, he he would. I but think that's I re- a good fan casting choice. But I really hope they just break the mold and and go balls out and do whatever well, they want. That's the kind of thing though. Like they've kind of run the gamut of white guys. Like there's only so many of us. Uh, you know, like if you look at archetypes for for white guys, I've actually thought about this a lot. Um, not just white guys, but people in general. Like there there does seem to me like some overall archetypes for you know people, and you can kind of reduce most of humanity into say twelve different archetypes. Um, and, and you know we're kind of running out of the ones for white dudes that can be the doctor. So there was a fairly large contingent of fans as well that were hoping that uh, that uh, he would somehow regenerate into uh, Billy Piper. And oh, like, that's garbage. That's it's weird to think about because like she actually exists in canon. So like, yeah. How, how does Honestly, that if they did that, I'd be like, well, okay, because uh, you know that's the other thing about Doctor Who is he's you know with the exception maybe of ten and the whole Rose thing. Um, he's been a little bit asexual, like, um, not completely. Uh, Tenant super loved Rose. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but that's which the was first one of the time, most like, amazing pieces of that whole run. So yeah, that's the first time that they've really played up the whole romance angle of things. And, uh, so if, if he regenerated into Rose, I think he's just carrying that hand, uh, candle a little bit too hard, you know? Well, and like each, each doctor has like, they're different from the previous incarnation, like a little bit. Yeah. And there's been but two right matt smith and capaldi are the only two that have been since tenant right am i right yeah there's there's altogether i think four doctors in the new who series which started with um eccleston eccleston yeah yeah so i mean we're two doctors removed from rose having any involvement whatsoever at this point so. yeah so i don't know that 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 to me re- reeks more of like tumblr fan theory than anything else yeah no you're probably not wrong yeah. um but yeah so that was that's some doctor who news yeah. Also, uh, I won't talk too long about this, but I just watched the first couple of episodes of the series so far, and I'm actually pretty, pretty well enjoying it. Like, it's still not my favorite because I think uh, for me, like, I'm, I really like Capaldi as the Doctor, but I know he's going to be gone soon, and we're just meeting Bill, and so I don't know what kind of character she's going to be, but I do like her overall. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a new season, and so it's, there's always some adjusting. So I'm sure by the end of the ten episodes or whatever they're going to do, um, I, I'm going to be really sad to see them both go, but. Um, here we are. So, first couple episodes were pretty good, though. Can I can I sidetrack us into something that doesn't actually have anything to do with anything else so far? I mean, it's your show. Um, did have you seen any of the clips from uh, the White House Correspondents Dinner? A couple. I, I saw um, um, uh, Farrell doing GW. Uh, have you seen? Uh, oh God, what's his name? Hassan? That, that's that's pretty much it. I've only seen Farrell. Uh, God, there's this one comedian. It's I think it's Hassan or something like that, and he. Um, uh, basically was talking about how the uh, president couldn't be there because, well, he's in Moscow and it's a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
He's like, you can't just get Vlad here on a Saturday. It's a Saturday. Um, and he, he talked a lot about stuff like that. And they told him, he was like, he's like, yeah, and I got told that if I took a shot at the administration, that that would be considered petty and childish and basically presidential. So here we go. <laughs> he, I have, you know, I think the, first off, this is always, this is, this, okay. So let's go big tangent now. Fuck it. We're doing it. Um, so White House Correspondents Dinner, uh, Trump famously, has decided not to attend this is breaking from the mold a little bit um in the past first one since 1981 not to attend yeah uh this has always turned a little bit into a roast of the president like not entirely like they usually don't go too hardcore but there's always a little bit of roasty like uncomfortable jokes that they make during the white house correspondence dinner and you can tell just exactly how thin-skinned a person that donald trump is that he decided not to attend in fact it's funny because uh you could already see some of the jokes and material coming from president barack obama during uh, the last White House Correspondents' Dinner, um, which was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Although, in retrospect, in hindsight, probably a little sad. Because was that when he did his famous mic drop? That's that's I, I don't remember if it was that one, but he did say the line of... Um, I think he was quoting Donald Trump, one of his tweets where he said, like, this is going to be the worst pre- president to go down in history. And this is after Donald Trump was already running. And, and Barack said something along the lines of, like, well, at least I'll go down in history as president. Um, so obviously that, that line is now, uh, had lost a little bit of its sting. Right, but, right. Um, it, it's just so funny because, uh, where Barack participated and was actually fucking probably the highlight of the show, like, he's, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I like about Obama and a lot of things I don't, but his comedic, t- comedic timing is amazing. Like, if you can go watch that video, you, it'll probably surprise you a little bit that he's not actually a comedian by trade. I mean, obviously he's got writers helping him out with that shit because he's the president. He's got better things to do than yeah, write jokes. Yeah, but you gotta be dinner. able to deliver. But he delivers amazingly. Um, and there's this other, you know, he was making jokes at a press conference or something like that one time. Um, and, and he was, you know, saying like, wh- you know, somebody was asking what they're building at some facility and they're like, uh, we're building, it's classified. Uh, it's Iron Man. No, it's classified. Yeah. <laughs> That's like some of the funniest shit ever. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's the president of the United States. So, uh, it's a little bit of a different dichotomy it's, now when we've got a president who's hilarious, but for all the wrong reasons. It's, it's not unheard of for a comedian to have somebody write for him. I mean, wasn't Louis C.K. writing most of Dan Cook's material for a long time? <laughs> Uh, well, I think the entire, you know, comedic, uh, uh, of, you know, Mencia, I think famously, um, only had other people write his jokes for him. Mostly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it, it's just kind of funny to me that we've got this, you know, dichotomy now between presidents. Uh, we've got Barack Obama graciously getting in on the joke and actually, you know, doing a really good job of it. And then we've got, uh, president Donald Trump who does not get the joke. And is more like the kid who's a little slow at recess who instead decides to throw his ball and go home. Um, and so he does that. And, and it just makes it worse because now the whole thing is like, whereas it's like a little bit of jiving at the president during the regular White House Correspondents Dinner. This is now basically turned into like a uh, we're a satirical piece almost yeah. like now. Now these are not like casual barbs meant in jest. These are yeah. like let's go for blood guys like, this is like we're gonna do this with or without you and you've made your choice so I mean, here the, we go practically the whole premise of the gw skit with will will ferrell was <laughs> remember when you guys all thought i sucked well how you like me now um i mean that's like actually a line and it's like yeah you know we get it yeah um anyway i'm just waiting for a day where i can go without opening twitter and 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 you know not being appalled at something our president has done today Surprisingly, even though he didn't attend the White House Correspondents' Dinner, he's also not at Mar-a-Lago. So, I don't know. Maybe he found 
He's probably trapped in like the Lincoln bedroom because he can't figure out how to work the old timey doorknobs. I assume he's in a bathroom somewhere authorizing missile strikes on North Korea. He probably is. He's just like taking a shit and he's like, uh, that Kim Jong guy. No, actually, this, this is a news, a uh, piece I heard today. Um, Donald Trump. Uh, so we've got a lot of interesting Donald Trump things. He invited Duterte, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, president of the Philippines, who's basically massacring his own citizens, uh, in a, 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 you think the war on drugs is a waste of resource and kind of ridiculous. Um, Duterte takes it to a whole new level in, you know, massacring citizens and killing people, um, of our drug related crimes and being very brazen and bold about it. Um, and, and saying, you know, essentially like, we're just going to kill the people who do drugs and shit like that. Um, President Trump invited him to the White House. Which is stupid, because, I mean, if you just let them do drugs, they'll die anyway. Yeah, number one. And, and number two is, like, why Why do we care? Um, if you're doing it yourself, who fucking cares? Uh, but second, second, uh, President Trump, I just read this quote earlier today, was given an interview, and he talked about how he kind of respected Kim Jong, because uh, you had to believe that a lot of people tried to take Kim Jong-un's power away from him, and he just keeps hanging on to it. So he's got to be a kind of a crafty person, you know, a smart person. No, it's just that anytime anybody sighs the wrong way in the room, Donald Trump, uh, that the, the, the North Korean prime minister has them killed. Uh, yeah. Or is it president? I don't know. I don't know what he is. Dictatorial asshole. I would say he's a dictator. Killed. Yeah. Um, so that's not exactly something we here in the United States find to be a, uh, emulatable, emulatable, uh, quality. Um, maybe we should consider for a second that our president is a president and not a king. Uh, not a dictator, not an emperor, not, not, you know, really a monarch of any sort. And so when we continue to see President Trump praise and, uh, be really happy about people who are obviously abusing their power and being, you know, horrible, just flat fucking horrible, like Vladimir Putin, sorry, uh, not a great guy, not a great leader. Um, you, you don't agree with the war on gays? Not so much. <laughs> I kind of think if they want to be gay, they can just be gay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 to date so far. I have not had any gay either try to convert me or rape me. So outside of that, I don't really give a shit. Yeah, um, that's fair. And, and even if they're like, hey, dude, you should be gay. I could be just like, I don't really want to. And then that's that's it. Like, that's a normal. Most human. of the time they're yeah. like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. Like the the equivalent like thinking here is like, um, you know, Jehovah's Witness come and bang on your door. Like if we decided to outlaw Jehovah's Witness, was that suddenly OK in your mind? Because um, if it is, you might be as retarded as the people who, uh, um, you know, uh, uh push for this type of thing my retarded i probably should stop saying that too because that's probably not i mean i don't think it's i don't think it's the preferred nomenclature but uh, yeah (laughs) sorry chinaman uh uh, i i like all the pictures of of vlad on the horse that have been converted into like a unicorn and so do i it and he he does look like the closetedest motherfucker dude and he's super like 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 your prototypical like yeah homophobe like i mean just i'm just saying has to be if, a man if he was a republican way, like, congressman i would not take the 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 under on that one if you ever listen to george bush um when he was on uh junior when he was on ellen just a couple months ago mm-hmm. and he was talking about his relationship with vlad and how it kind of went south when vlad made fun of his dog <laughs> and then and then carried it further to the point where like that happened you know in 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 the states and then when bush went to russia to visit with him like he had these two great big dogs and then and then continued to tell Bush that his dog wasn't a real dog compared to these dogs. Oh, yeah, like, no. Vlad, Vlad is just like the biggest douche in the locker room. Dude, yeah. dude, he's the guy that has like the fucking giant truck with the 18 inch lift. I was going to say, yeah, giant truck, 18 inch lift, truck nuts and a tiny, tiny dick. Yep. Um, yep. I'm probably not allowed to go to Russia anymore. I don't know that 
yeah, I don't think either one of us were probably already allowed really to go there. But, to. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, so that's a Marvel news for this week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, we got one more piece we, of Marvel news. We do. We uh, do. And it's, and it's good, but I don't think there's really a lot to talk about. There's a new Guardians TV spot we put in the show notes so you can check out. Uh, it is so funny. It's uh, 80s horrific. Yeah, it is 80s horrific. I, I, I like it. Uh, for, just for those of you that lived out. through the, the decade of the 80s, like, you'll really appreciate it. For those of you that were born after that, you'll be like, I don't get it. What, what is, what is happening? <laughs> uh, no, it's really not that hard I to get. I was on the because, tail end of the 80s. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's really not that hard to get because you probably had some, you know, uh, you know, like my wife is uh, always like, what do you mean you don't know Laverne and Shirley? And I was like, well, I wasn't fucking born yet and not for like 10 years. Neither so. was your wife for yeah. that matter. And neither were you. So shut up. <laughs> uh, but um, it's kind of like that. Like, yes, I'm aware that these are things that exist and so on and so forth. And so you'll probably get the joke. But um, it's it's just it's amazing. The way like they it. put it together, like you could you could change it out for the opening titles of like Airwolf or something and it would totally match. Oh, you know, what's funny because I, I, I immediately thought Airwolf when I saw it. It must just be the font. The font is so. what gets you. Um, but it's the most 80s thing ever. So uh, let's take a break and we'll come back in just a second. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that we couldn't find a category for. Well, let's let's talk some. <laughs> that's Jurassic Park for anybody that's uh, not sure what's going on or if we're both uh, on the same frequency of drunk that we understand. Maybe. Maybe. maybe we... No, I'm not drunk yet. No, but... I'm not at all either. But uh, that is, of course, because we're going to talk about how Jeff Goldblum uh, is possibly returning to the Jurassic World sequel. I'm for it. I'm, Just yeah. FYI. Yeah, I think he the, his last appearance was in Jurassic Park 2. Is that right? Yes. The Lost World, yeah. Yeah, and then after that, it, which was also the one that didn't have Sam Neill, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Sam Neill came back for 3. Mm-hmm. And, and they didn't do anything until Jurassic World. Yeah, so this is kind of okay. I'm, I'm okay with this. And um, he kind of had a cameo in Jurassic World. Being uh, on the back of the books. That's yeah, that's true. That's true. He did kind of get a little cameo there. Um, so this is going to be kind of uh, Jeff Goldblum's first return in like two or three films now. Um, so I'm kind of excited for this. I think it'll be kind of good. Also, Jeff Goldblum is kind of getting this massive, I think, resurgence in his career. Um, you know, first with booking Guardians. No, no, Thor. Well, he he's also in uh, it's shitty movie, the new Independence Day. Yeah, regurgitation or something. I think that's right. I honestly fell asleep like 45 minutes into that movie and so I never I. went back to it. Yeah. I tried to watch it twice, fell asleep both times. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That is a stunning endorsement if ever there was one. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's in that thing and then he's in the new Thor movie and now he, we've got rumors that he's going to book just Jurassic World. So, uh, you know, I think Dr- Jeff Goldblum is kind of an odd character in that, like, in the uh, mid-90s, he was kind of like a larger, you know, A-lister. You know, he was in a lot of big movies at the time. And then he kind of dropped off the map and then he started doing some TV stuff for a while. And, he was uh, in Law and Order Criminal Intent for a while. Yeah, in the whole thing, you know, so, you know, I'd say a significantly smaller type of deal. And, you know, now he's coming back and he's doing these big blockbusters again and uh, doing pretty well at it. So I think his big break was The Fly, was it not? Yeah, I I think think it was. Yeah, that's a good film. Like if it, it, dude, how pretentious is my film? It's a good movie. You can say film. It's okay. It's allowed. Uh, I mean, most movies aren't actually films at this point, but it's fine. The Fly would I think it would qualify as a film. Yeah, yeah, probably actually shot it on film. Yeah, that's Being true. It came out in like 1981 or something. Yeah, I, I don't think they had, you know, like they, they probably just had a one meg digital camera at that point that was like uh, $10,000 or something. So something. And, and, and it shot, you know, the the best 320p you could possibly get. But to 320. Pretty high. That's pretty high def right there. At that point, it might have been at least for digital stuff. I yeah. know 480 at one point was still considered high def. 
Well, I mean, um, we didn't get to anything actually like high def, I think, until the late 90s. Yeah. Digital wise. And then at that point, it was so unpractical to use because the storage especially hadn't caught up nor had the processing power. So like you could do it, but it would just take, uh, I don't know, like 89 years to render. And then George Lucas did it anyway. Yeah. Well, no, you got a point there. By the time we got to the late 90s, we, we were able to do... Phantom Menace was all digital, so... Yeah, we were able to do digital stuff pretty well. So it must, it must have been the early 90s that I'm thinking about. I think by the early 90s, we were that was when we started getting to... Yeah, because Jurassic Park did some digital stuff at that point. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, that, that was where I think it started becoming practical to use digital effects. They went they went off the fucking rails when they did some of the effects for the Star Wars prequels, too. Because like, they used digital for like everything, but then the waterfalls on Naboo... They, they were just salt interesting like i'm like yeah i'll never what? i will never understand I how those movies that. got made and and the yoda robot again the yoda bot i i will not ever it, it, um if, if i had an infinite amount of time i don't think i would ever understand how they came to the conclusions that they did and made the films that they did with the, the prequel trilogy the beauty part about the one the one saving grace to the blu-ray editions of the prequels are they they removed yoda bot and just did cgi yoda like they did in episode two yeah um yeah, see, those movies aren't. It only gets worse each subsequent rewatch because nothing ages well at all in those movies. No, and it doesn't ever take on a nostalgia factor where you're like, "Oh, that's cute." It's just worse and worse every time you watch it. You know what aged really well? What's that? All of the effects in the original Star Wars movies. Those didn't age so well, but I was gonna actually. I, I thought I mean, we were gonna tie this back together and say Jurassic Park because Jurassic Park I could still watch today and feel like it was made yesterday. Kind of. Kind of that that opening scene when they first get to the island and, and see the uh, the brachiosaur though yeah, like it's still I know what you're it, like about. that that it pops t- of of bl- it wasn't green screen it was blue screen back yeah. then it's got a little it's got a little bit too much shiny on it you know that's a typical marker I think of CG is it's yeah. a little too shiny because they can't get the light right um, but generally speaking that movie still holds up to me as being like a movie that could have gotten made today simply because that shit still happens in movies today yeah. all of the time so, so do you guys remember when uh just before jurassic like a year before jurassic world was getting released how they did a re-release of the first one yeah i saw in it theaters yeah i i saw i like, remember that last, event but i didn't go see it yeah i saw like the last week that came out and i watched it in theaters i didn't get a chance to but when i was a kid but I watched it and I was like, this actually holds up really well besides the Brankiosaur. I, I have seen it three times in the theaters. I saw it um, its first run in the theaters when it first came out. Uh, I saw it again at a um, uh, Valley River Center down in Eugene. You said to do uh, like oh, flashback the Wednesday fifty thing. movie D? Yeah. Oh, no, that, no that's different. Bucks. There were five bucks. No, that's different. The like, Valley River used to have, the Dollar yeah, 50 theater I'm, I'm was at uh, Gateway. The Springfield Mall. Yeah. yeah. But Valley River used to do um like a flashback movie night during the summers on wednesdays and it would like five dollars a ticket and like go see ferris bueller or whichever one they were doing that night um and they did jurassic park and i took the kids to go see that one gotcha when they did that and then when they did the re-release in 3d i took the kids to go see it in 3d yes i think the visual effect that holds up the most for me even now is probably when you first see the tyrannosaurus rex come through the through the electric fence just with the thing snapping oh my yeah god uh, there's so many things that they did right in that movie like um 
you know the way that they chose to light the effects and what they chose to show you like there's a lot of scary shit in that movie um how they shot the raptors is is another fantastic thing so anyway i I hope they get a little bit more of that back because that's one of the things that i noticed in jurassic world was it lost a little bit of that like in that they were trying to show these bigger set pieces like whenever they show the whatever the fucking water dinosaur is that eventually gets loose uh because obviously as soon as they're showing that you're like well that's gonna eat people later um uh that that was like the first scene where I'm like, hell, oh, that's CG, and I just wish they could have done that differently. Yeah. Well, you know, they only had one animatronic in that movie. Yeah. See, like, I think I'm a bigger yeah. fan of doing effects. Like, if you're gonna do a digital effect, I really um, want you to do it in a way that I can't possibly notice it. And usually, that's what it comes down to. Like, good CG is really abundant there's tons and tons of good cg the thing is you don't notice it because they choose to employ it in a way that cg is really good at it uh so like you can make anything you want in cg it just you fall into like tarkin's uncanny valley territory where you immediately know that that's a cg character not just because we you know big fans of the series know that tarkin's dead but because anybody watching that is gonna be like that there's something wrong with that you know like the eyes and the teeth man yeah yep so there's there's things that they just can't get right with CG yet. So I kind of wish that they would stay away from trying not, to do that until the technology is really there. And I cannot tell. Not that I think in any way, shape, or form, though, that they were even trying uh, to not have it be CGI, though. You know what I mean? Like, for Rogue One, that was just kind of the thing. It was like, we're going to do this, and we're going to get our share of people. They're like, oh, you can totally tell that's fake. And they're like, well, no shit, Sherlock, but we're going to do it. Yeah. But but the thing is, like, I kind of would generally lean towards the side of things of like, don't do that. Then, like, choose to make the movie in a different way if you cannot do the effect so that it's fairly transparent. And I try and look at it from a little bit more of an optimist standpoint because I'm just like, holy shit! Aside from a couple little minor details, like, they made a person. Like, that's you know. (laughs) Don't get me wrong; it is it is pretty fantastic. But there's um, so many different ways that we can use effects these days where I really don't notice unless I'm really really stopping to look. What I don't want is to be like jarred by the appearance of something like that. Um, So even like as much as the Leia scene I enjoyed in Rogue One, I also didn't. I also kind of hate that scene because we all know Carrie Fisher at this point, who you know was still alive. We all know Carrie Fisher's not that young anymore. Right. Um, So at that point it's like ah, i just i know i'm looking at cg and we're very firmly into the even if i didn't know i was looking at cg it's very uncanny valley and that was i think not done as well as the tarkin scene i, I so like I that carrie didn't know it don't was want them to do that kind of thing i like that carrie didn't know that 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 was cgi yeah see i just think they she thought it was a, a double i just think they could have chose to do that um well, she's, she's, let's be, let's be honest. Carrie did a lot of drugs at some point. Right. So, um, uh, I'm going to guess her vision's not what it could be. And she's also like the, the Carrie Fisher quote unquote cameo is only like a, what, a half a second. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm it's just not, saying, she's not on screen that long. So they could have had the same effect without ever showing her face. Um, they could have really accomplished the same thing in the movie without ever showing her face. Um, and Tarkin wasn't really necessary to show at all either. Um, you could tell the same story without showing Tarkin, just change it a, a little bit. Uh, um, it's just they chose to do that because they were like, well, we can. And so the, it's, it's, it's the, the Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park theorem. theorem. Yeah. But, but here's the deal. They're actually like following that advice just a little bit though, because they, they're not going to do CGI Carrie Fisher oh, for episode nine. And it's funny because, um, and that actually was a, was a, uh, princess Leia centric 
story from what I what I understand. See, so. and I've been thinking about that one a little bit too. And and the reason I the thing that I, the conclusion I've come to is that they're only not doing it because right now it seems tasteless. Uh, Tarkin, the, the actor who played Tarkin, he's dead. He's been dead a long time. Um, and so that all of a sudden makes it okay to do something like that. Whereas, um, we don't want to do CG Carrie Fisher because, oh, that's, that's tacky. That's tasteless. You just fucking did it. Um, with, uh, God, what's his name? Peter Cushing. Cushing. Peter Cushing. You just did that with Peter Cushing last year. Let's not try to pretend you're, you know, above, uh, using an actor's likeness like this. Um, you're just doing it because right now it, it seems unpalatable, you know? But in yeah, 10 years, I mean, there's probably something to that. In 10 years, is it realistic to think that they might do more CG Carrie Fisher? Yeah, probably. Um, at least based on current trends. So, I mean, you you may not be wrong. Yeah. It's just, just think about it, though. Like, Prince died last year. Yeah. We could we could still have Prince concert DVDs for like the next 50 years because they can just like reanimate him. Like Tupac, yeah. 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 Well, Tupac's not dead. Come on, everybody knows that. <laughs> no, I mean, definitely not. Um, oh, uh, did you hear though? There's a songbird in jail that's singing now. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, fucking. Uh, God damn it! What's his name? I don't know. Suge Knight. Suge. Yeah, oh, Suge's. Uh, really? I was like, which time? Because Suge's been in jail a lot. Suge's, Suge's starting to to sing about uh, about who killed Tupac and Biggie. Oh, that's interesting. Like, because I doubt he's a trigger man. Uh, but I, but I, I, I also dude, doubt. I don't know can... the way they portrayed him in that uh, Straight Outta Compton movie. He he could be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know that that's really what I'm curious about down, is at, at that point in Shug's career, you'd think he'd be smart enough to have somebody else do it. Uh, but I would also think that there's no way Shug's not implicated. Yeah, but uh, they were all about being gangsta. So, yeah, that's true. From that's true. Interviews I've heard from other rappers like Shug Knight was one that people really didn't fuck with. Yeah. At all. Oh, I mean, everybody knows that. Like, Shug, Shug would beat the shit out of you. Like, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, whether or not he was going to kill you, um, th- he that's would pistol all. Pistol whip your ass for allegedly, sure. Allegedly, allegedly. Um, but uh, there's no question. Like, you knew Shug Knight would beat the shit out of you if if he if you pissed him off. So yeah, because um, he did like all the time. But whatever. I had to make my kid really uncomfortable yesterday while she was in the kitchen doing dishes because I got the Bluetooth speaker set up in there. Really. It's. Yeah. It, it, I didn't. I didn't throw that one on there. I threw the. Uh, oh God! What track was that? It was from the. It was from the Chronic though. It was the one that was mostly Snoop Dogg. Gotcha. You know that's I, like half the tracks on that I, CD. But, I don't know. Yeah, the Chronic might as well have gotten uh, credit for Snoop. But know. but then but then that wasn't good enough. So then I then I had to throw on a, a few cuts from the, the Snoop Dogg doggy style record. <laughs> You know, it's funny you mentioned because um, my kids are getting pissed off at me because I've recently rediscovered uh, um, Wu-Tang. Well, not just Wu-Tang, oh. but uh, so Wu-Tang isn't really discovering like I know about Wu-Tang. I was never a super huge fan of Wu-Tang, you know, back when it was cool to be a fan of Wu-Tang, but I was also like 12. So give me some credit, whatever. Um, but I did like rap a lot growing up and I just kind of went away from that because I, I turned into, you know, the stereotypical white guy and now I only listen to, you know, rock music and the, in my teenage years I listened to only angsty shit and then I grew up and I listened to more alternative stuff and blah, blah, blah. And so here we are and I'm sort of rediscovering hip hop. And so I've been listening a lot to Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Kendrick's new album came out, and like I put it on the other day for uh, uh, while well, it was just me and my wife because really absolutely nothing that, that's on either three of Kendrick's albums is appropriate for children for more than say about three seconds in any given track. Um, so, anyways, I, I put on uh, uh, "How to Pimp a Butterfly" 
um, the other day with just me and Ash sitting home, and she immediately starts making fun of me because like it, there is it's pretty vulgar in lots of different places, and this is coming from a guy who's just said fuck, and you can go back and rewatch the track about you know thirty two times uh, in the past you know hour and a half that we've been re- recording this thing. Um, but, you know, so I've tried to branch out to things that are a little more appropriate. So the, the thing that I've recently come to love most is Anderson Pack. Uh, hopefully I'm saying that right. It's P-A-A-K. Um, and he's uh, on the, you'll actually recognize one of the songs because he's on the Iron Fist soundtrack, mm-hmm. Come Down. Um, and it's such a good track. And I was like listening to it over and over again. I was like, I got to see what, uh, you know, like, I wonder if any of his other stuff is like this. And it's all really good. So his latest album, Malibu, I think is the latest anyway. Um I'm not really that into it enough to know stuff, but um, that's also fantastic. But anyway, as I'm, I'm sitting down, I put this al- album on uh, while we eat dinner because I usually do that, put some music on while we eat dinner, and I put on Malibu, and everybody's looking at me like, what family do you think this is? Um, because that's just not what we do. Like, usually we get stuck with some shitty pop thing the kids put on or, um, you know, like 90s alternative, you know, Nirvana and so on uh, because that's the only thing else I'll allow. So This is what's really nice about having kids that are starting to get older because Emmy just turned 13 and, like, she she's she's uh more open to anything anyway just you know when it comes to like grown-up stuff and i can i can like bust out dre or snoop and yeah she's gonna make fun of me for it but like at the same time like i don't worry that like the content and any of that stuff is gonna be like offensive to my 13 year old because she's like whatever i don't give a shit yeah um (laughs) Yeah, no, my, my kids are still a little too young and especially like with Kendrick, the, the, the con, like with listening to like Anderson, it's like, well, I don't know how to explain to her how, uh, they say, uh, the N word and we, we can't say the N word yet. So, um, you know, uh, that kind of thing. But with, with Kendrick, it's like, no, there's lots and lots of talk about sex and shit like that that I'm not, you know, really your daughter to listens discuss. to the podcast, right? She does not. If you're listening to this, I like go to bed right fucking now. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Um, in fact, the night she was crashing with my kids, like they were up there listening to older episodes of our podcast oh, while we were recording dear a new one. God, they just get worse as you go on too. I know. <laughs> I mean, I know it. Worse from no, I'll just leave it. We'll just leave that there. Um, Ellie, so go anyway, to bed. <laughs> Ellie, go to bed. TV. Let's talk TV. Hold on, we haven't talked. To, oh, oh, you know what? Jeff Goldblum's going to be in Jurassic World too. Maybe. We did mention. We we mentioned, but we, we mentioned kinda... we didn't talk about it at all. I, there's not really much to talk about because we yeah, don't know it's... what part he's going to play. But I mean, or besides Ian Malcolm, really, if he's, he's really going to yeah. play a big part at all. From what I've yeah. heard, it's probably just going to be like a, a cameo. Quick, I hope not. Cameo. I hope they actually bring him in for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't mind seeing him for like maybe a solid 15 minutes of the film. Yeah, like, I mean, just something. just long enough to explain chaos theory. Like if they reenacted the chaos theory, only it was Chris Pratt's hand that he was dropping the water on. Right? Yeah. Right, guys? Come yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that'd be awesome. Um, Life uh, finds a way. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Uh, okay. You so, want to talk Split just just a little bit? Have you seen it yet? I've not seen, seen it yet. I've but, seen Split. But I, I, I already know. I already he know what you're going to say. So, so um, I threw this in here. Uh, Shyamalan confirms there is a sequel to um, Split coming soon, which is going to fuse uh, the, the two movies together. So Unbreakable is the other movie he's talking yeah. about, by the way, guys. Uh, and Matt, I- I think the title of this third one is going to be called uh, Mr. Glass or Glass. Yeah. So here's what's interesting about this if you're not following along. Uh, I, I don't know. If you, if you haven't seen Split and you want to go in pure, uh, probably shouldn't listen 
even to the last five minutes, I guess. But um, there is a pretty big spoiler here, which is probably better left if, if you experience it organically. Although that said, it's kind of been spoiled all over the place, and it seems to be kind of okay to spoil this a little bit, which is that... Here's the reason why it's okay. Uh, nobody gave a fuck about M. Night Shyamalan until this movie came out. Well... like. Okay, like so there's post a- post Unbreakable. Nobody gave a shit about anything that guy did, and then the and then he did this movie, and people are like, "Wait a minute!" Well, they did actually. That's what's funny. Like, um, Unbreakable came out, and then The Village, and people are like, "Oh, we gotta go see The Village." That looks no, interesting. No, The Village didn't do well. It didn't do. It didn't do well. It and was that a was the first movie. one. Like, like that was the first one I walked out of. Like, I don't know. I didn't really like that movie. Whereas Unbreakable, I was like, "Okay, I'm on board for this." And and previously up to that point, I think I was like, "Oh yeah, it's good." And then I saw The Village, and it's like, "Oh, that was that was okay." I guess Science, yes, Science you know, was post Unbreakable, and that was the last one I, that I think people actually cared about. And, Oh, Signs came before The Village, I think. Yeah. He did have another one just recently, actually, within like the last year or two, that a lot of people I knew wanted to see, and I think it was called Hell? The Visit. The Visit. Uh, no. Spoilers so, for the, this, The Last but... Airbender? Oh, God, fuck that movie. <laughs> or that, Lady that, in the Water? I will say that, um, so I saw Lady in the Water and The Last Airbender, and I just... I really want M. Night to come and write an apology letter to me specifically and give me back twenty dollars because <laughs> that, that like that's the that's the least he can do for the damage he's caused, especially to one of my favorite franchises of all time in in the complete fucking that he gave to Avatar. So um, and that's that's uh, the Nickelodeon TV show, not the Blue People, not not the Blue Smurf people, the yeah. Blue Cat people. Yeah. Um. So M. Night. Uh, has had a really kind of an odd career uh, in that we had these, you know, sort of really good movies that came out of him in his early career. I'd say, uh, I think that was the order. It was The Sixth Sense, which was really kind of a breakout. Oh my gosh, this guy's somebody to watch. Unbreakable, another phenomenal movie. Um, I don't think it got the hype that The Sixth Sense did, but I think that overall it's it's my um, preferred film. Unbreakable is my favorite of his because yeah. it... It, it holds up better. Well, and it deals with a medium that I'm familiar with already because it was very much a comic book story. Yeah, it was it was almost like a proto comic book movie because this yeah. was before sort of the comic book resurgence in which that everything that comes out this this year is probably going to be a comic book movie. Um, and, and the other thing that is that it's a comic book movie that really isn't tied to any IP that you've ever heard of because right. it was invented for this movie. And then we've got Signs, which was an okay movie, but by now we kind of knew the shtick, and I was looking for the twist the whole time. And when it finally got here, I was like, okay, well that's a little bit of bullshit uh and then the village which was like i I just whatever i I really thought joaquin was amazing in in signs though oh Oh, i mean they i think overall it wasn't a bad movie and and if they just did tweak the writing a little bit it probably actually would have uh maintained the same sort of quality level that i expected out of unbreakable in the sixth sense um and then we got to um uh, uh, the village and the village I just didn't give a shit about. And then by the time we got, I watched Lady in the Water, and I do not fucking know what I watched. Like even as I was watching this movie, I I was like, and I'm a smart guy. Like don't get me wrong, uh, I'm not gonna be an asshole about it. I don't have a PhD or anything, but I'm a smart guy. Usually I'm the guy that my friends will look at and be like, uh, so what what just happened? And I'll be like, oh, because of this thing that happened in the first movie that was really cleverly foreshadowed. I watched Lady in the Water, and I still don't know what the fuck happened other than M Night decided to give himself a messianic cameo. In which I was just like, go fuck yourself. I figured it out. What's that? The House of Horrors match that we watched tonight was an M. Night Shyamalan production. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We'll come back to that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's... You know, hold that in the back of your heads, folks. And then somehow, after uh, Lady in the Water, or around the same time, they allowed him to adapt The Last Airbender. 
and M. Knight, who is, uh, I think, of Indian descent, decided that he was going to recast and make everything um, sort of this Indian flair, which wasn't entirely crazy because some of, especially the, like, the Airbender stuff is really a little bit more based on like um, some, some more Indian philosophies and stuff like that. Um, although, or you could at least, you know, make that comparison without sounding like a loon. Um, but he recast a lot of the things in ways that were kind of dumb and the movie was just hot garbage. Like the movie just did not work very well for lots and lots of different reasons. It's, uh, um, basically, um, like the thing we don't talk about in the, the last airbender subreddit, if you ever go there, um, if you bring it up, uh, they will invite you to Lake Laogai, which you'll get if you're an avatar fan. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we basically have hit bottom, I think, with M. Night at this point. At this point, like, I no longer even, it's not like with, um, you know, after the village, I'm like, oh, I'll go see this lady in the water movie. Maybe this guy, you know, that movie wasn't great, but not, you know, whatever, to where it's like, no, I, I see M. Night's movie name attached to a project. I'm like, well, fuck that. I'm not going to see that. And then Split came out, and I was the same along the same lines. I was like, I, I just, I don't care. I told you to go see that because you and Ash were going to see a movie, and I was like, dude, just go see Split. Yeah, and the only reason on your recommendation, who hadn't seen it, so I don't know why I was listening to you, but on your recommendation and another dude that I like from Twitter who's into kind of the things that we are, um, he also said, uh, I know what you're thinking. It's an M Night movie, and it's it's, uh, but whatever, go see it, and you'll like it because th- th- this is a twist. Trust me, you're gonna like. And so the twist of this movie is that it's inter related to the unbreakable universe Mm -hmm. so that's a long lead-in to say um this movie relates to the unbreakable universe split is actually i think a pretty good flick overall there's parts of it that don't get me wrong i think people are really going to hate when you see it i think ryan you've seen it you probably know what i'm talking about there are parts of it that again i would have done differently if i were m night uh and had control of this film because i think there are parts where he went a little bit like sometimes the scariest part of the monster is not seeing it um, right. And so I think he went a little too far with that aspect of things. Uh, I, I had heard that as well, but especially given the like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, essentially. But given that the movie overall was pretty solid and it sets up a, a more expanded universe with the unbreakable thing. And so seeing whatever they're going to come out of that with the third movie and, and uh, having, you know, Bruce Willis involved in that project is to me very, very interesting. So I'm really excited for this project. Is he actually, actually going to be involved in it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. He is. I'm, I won't. I won't ask for more than that, just because. I'll just. Yeah, I, yeah, the short I have the movie. The short answer. I have the. I have the yes. movie. I just have. I have not watched yes. it yet. So watch it. Um, there's another movie too that I that I actually want to check out as soon as I can. Um, I don't know that it's going to be playing around here, but have you guys heard of the movie Colossal? No. No. Um. So it's directed no. by Nacho uh, Vigalondo. No idea. Um, he directed uh the the most famous thing um he's done is fuck um I don't remember. Was it quality tele or quality podcasting? Right um, hold on, it's, I got it right no, here. No, it's fine. We do this all the time. Um, it's uh, people are still listening. They're not going to stop because of this one th- time. This is what an time crimes is for. Time crimes is the one that he's done that's most famous. But unfortunately for him, it actually came out right around the same time as Looper, and it had a semi tangentially related that. concept. Um, but uh, it's about um, it, dude. It's it's a fucking um, it's a monster movie with Anne Hathaway in it. And like it's big stock as it's a completely indie film, mm-hmm. and um, Anne Hathaway's agent actually asked Nacho if if she could read it, if they if they could send her the script and whatnot, and he was like, I mean, sure, what she's not gonna want to do it or whatever, right? <laughs> um, and then she like wanted to have lunch with him and like kind of acted out parts of the movie. That's amazing. And 
Maybe and we won can get the role Anne that way. To do the podcast. And, and he got financing for the movie because they had Anne Hathaway signed to do it, right? Oh, um, that that is actually fantastic. We, it, we should actually probably employ the same strategy. Do you think she would do the podcast? Maybe. Have we talked about her naked before? Because I think that's probably not going to be. I don't think so. But if you want to see that, it's in that <laughs> gay cowboy movie. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, Brokeback uh, Mountain. There you go. Um, no, the concept Which of it, I haven't seen, but I, I immediately know what you're talking about. The concept of it is is kind of badass. Like, so she's a drunk, and her life is falling apart. So she decides to move back to her hometown uh, to try and make things better. Only like there's nothing to do in her hometown, so she becomes an even bigger drunk, um, passes out, and wakes up as like a monster destroying like Seoul, like South Korea. Korea. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and. So that's that's basically what it's about is like she's like a, living this dual life as like this drunk chick and then also she's a a, a like a kaiju monster. So kind of thing. that's really interesting for a lot of reasons, but I, I think the most interesting here and the reason I'll probably want to see this movie is because um, it was enough to catch Anna Hathaway's attention, and at this point she can pretty much pick what she does. Like, no, and and I listened to the director Nacho, and I'm going to butcher his name again, so I'm just not. I'm just going to call him Nacho. I listened to him. Uh, uh, which, by the way, is short for Ignacio. Did you know that Nacho is a is a a, a nickname for people named Ignacio? Because I did not know that. I think I learned that from Nacho Libre. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I learned that from the kid I worked with. Because he's because like everybody else is like making fun of him because we call him Nacho. Um, because when you're kids, that's what you do. It's a pretty common nickname apparently in Spain. But then when you when you get to the states, they're like, oh yeah, I like the food. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, yeah, your chips with the shitty cheese on it. Cool, right? Yeah. You um, get a 7-Eleven when you're really hungover. No, no, but he did an episode of Smodcast with Kevin Smith, actually, oh, that's where, awesome. where they talked about it a lot. And uh, he he basically was so stoked on getting Anne Hathaway on board that he said even if he won an Oscar for this movie, like, it's not the high point of this. The high point was Anne Hathaway basically, like, begging to play this lead role in it. Like, that's he said to him that meant everything, so... That, that's fantastic like uh yeah i would kind of think that i had something if i were a director and Anne hathaway is begging to play a role in my movie yeah, yeah. um he and he's funny especially cause... because that movie sounds pretty like uh out there yeah like uh but you know that that that's cool though because like she's she's done a lot of good stuff and i think she's got a decent taste for the role she picks like there's not a lot of roles that i could probably look back and say oh god she was crap in that uh, um or that movie sucked you know sort of thing so um that's that's Awesome. No, I, I don't think I've seen her in anything where I thought she was bad in it. I actually yeah. really liked her as Catwoman. And I and haven't seen her entire filmography or anything like no, that. Don't get me wrong, but, but um, no, she's good in pretty much everything I've seen her in. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. She was actually one of the high points in that movie. So she was, and, and that was definitely the low point of the trilogy for me. So yeah, yeah. And yeah. from what I've gathered from Dark Knight, like everybody was chastising them for casting her. As oh, Catwoman. they totally were. They were like no even after seeing the joker which this is where i'm like are you guys retarded because well, we're just gonna keep saying it um but are you guys morons <laughs> because um let's use a term that was actually uh on pc a while ago are you guys morons because we just had the same thing with uh heath ledger everybody was like oh you cast nope. heath ledger as the joker you must have taken the good pills or something like that and, and then they did the same thing a little bit over no, no it turns out heath ledger did yeah, well, uh, Wait, too, oh, soon. too soon, too soon. <laughs> Ouch. Um, uh, so anyway, Heath Ledger goes out, knocks it out of the park. Um, like 
kills it in that role and then they cast Anne Hathaway and he's like still like questioning Nolan's casting and I'm like nope I'm on board like after that like I will not question another casting decision probably Uh, um, at least not to the extent that I I was like oh man they cast Heath Ledger no I don't have any problem with anybody they cast in those in all of those movies like they they were Mm -hmm. everybody he cast was pretty much money but I just didn't like the story of the third one. It just no, didn't make sense. There's neither, too many neither did holes. I. That, that's where it got a little plot hole heavy. And uh, um, I didn't like some aspects of it. But the casting overall, I thought, was well done well. And I thought that the way that they sort of updated Catwoman for like the Nolan-verse, um, mm-hmm. because the Nolan-verse isn't kind of as out there as the typical Batman. You know, like if you look at Arkham, you can see sort of the contrasting uh, uh, way that the, the, the Batman story is told. Um, did they ever even actually call her Catwoman? I don't believe they did. No, I, I just said cat burglar. I just dug the fact that like her little goggle things when like she flipped yeah. them up, they just looked like cat ears and whatnot. And it was very Julie Newmar to me, like from the yeah. old school. Uh, but you know, no, Batman it, it made sense. Like that was exactly, I think the the way that they do Catwoman for the Nolan verse, and and it really worked for me. So anyway, that's that's enough uh, talk about Anne Hathaway. Um, uh, especially because we got to go watch that scene from Brokeback Mountain. No, Dude, so. I think this was a very... Well, I mean, until you brought that up again. No, I think this was a very <laughs> pro-Anne Hathaway discussion, though. She's... I'm not going to lie. She's an attractive woman. Uh, she is. She, you know? She's she's pretty. But um, she's a good actress, too. And, and that's, I think, probably I think that's, why... that's what people should take away from this, is that she's she's a phenomenal actress. and uh, she, She's a good actress in that, you know, again, she it seems to me like she picks good roles. And seemingly so, recognizes a good story when she sees it. Yeah, so, so it, that that she's at all interested in doing in this tiny little movie um, it is makes that film more interesting to me, if nothing else, because she's involved in it. Um, but secondarily, uh, the movie sounds a little bit interesting to me anyway. Like, mm-hmm. it's probably something I would watch. I just would probably watch it on Netflix um, because the other movie that I think you mentioned, Time Crimes, the only reason I've heard of it, I think, is because I've scrolled past it on Netflix a ton of times. Um, so that, that that they're able to attract that kind of talent to me is is pretty cool. So, Anne, if you're into tiny little things... You should check out our podcast. <laughs> nah, you didn't think I was going there, did I you? I didn't. I know. I thought you were going somewhere entirely different. Um, all right, let's talk TV. Uh, so we're going to talk briefly about Agents of Shield. I just want to throw this in there. You're going to see an alternative facts joke, and you're going to laugh your ass off. Um, I probably will, and I, I do plan on actually catching up on that show. Real. In fact, I wanted to catch up on it during the hiatus from the CW shows, and then I didn't. Yeah. Did are you caught up on the Flash? Yes. Are you caught up on the Flash? Um. The last episode I saw was when he went into the future. Yep, you are caught up then. Okay, so then I can safely reveal to our fans the identity of Savitar is coming next week, even though we've just had a four-week hiatus. It's Edithon. Yeah, it's probably Edithon. Although, I don't know. Like, the only the only twist to me is is when um, Caitlin at the end was like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll do whatever you want. And I don't know why she would do that with words. Eddie. Yeah, a buddy uh, of mine and we were discussing that. It was just how easily she was like, what do you need me to do? Okay. Yeah. Another theory is that it's Ronnie Raymond. Um, we lost Ronnie in the singularity. And, and he is supposed to be coming back. And he is supposed to be coming back. At some point this season. So, I, so I, is Eddie Thoughts. So. That's not the craziest fan theory ever. I just don't know. Um, Ronnie Raymond already has an established history, and I think that it would be a pretty big break to turn him into Savitar. Because um, mm-hmm. in the comics... How do you go Savit- from being dead to being the god of speed? <laughs> Yeah, in the comics, Savitar is its own entity. Like, yeah, it's he's not, not a, he's not somebody else. So they're already stretching a little bit because presumably at this point they are going to turn him into somebody that we've seen already, and everybody that we've seen for the most part has an established background. So even if it's Eddie Thon, um, that that's another different take on this. Although this will be unique to the Flash universe because I don't think we had an Eddie Thon, did we, in the comics? I mean, we definitely have. E- I Eobard. don't know. I'll like. 
here's the thing about the CW shows in the States all the way back to Smallville is usually when they do something, there's some basis of fact, even if it's in like an Elseworlds story or like or... three panels of a Flash comic from yeah. 20 years ago or something yeah. like that. So, so it's possible, but I'm just saying that like there's not a lot, um, you know, it, it doesn't really draw on it that way. But we've also kind of seen that already from the Flash TV show in that, um, you know, they had Teddy Sears who played Jake Garrick for the first you know, a few episodes and then famously was not Jay Garrick. And right. then they took a whole different spin on that. So um, that was kind of interesting too. So it'd be kind of cool to me if they did the same thing with Savitar. Although my money would be on Eddie Thon because to me that makes a lot more sense than making it Ronnie Raymond. Um, and I still think that they could have the... Um, because we're not dealing with Caitlin, we're dealing with Killer Frost. Right. So I think the um, familiarity with Eddie Thon could still do that. Yeah. So. You know, you could be right there. Um uh, I have not caught up on Arrow yet either. I'm I didn't watch the last episode before they went on hiatus, and then I had I, I didn't watch the other the episode from the other day yet. So I will I will catch up on this the next uh, before we we talk the next time. Okay, so that's TV for this week. I've heard it's getting good though. Like in fact, I've actually been really happy with Arrow so far this season. I uh, I say this in this maybe a controversial statement, but I think I like Arrow a little bit better than I like the Flash this season. Arrow definitely has a little less of the CWE love triangle-y, do I, don't I, like, let's not tell the truth thing. Like, And unfortunately, this is kind of crazy because... Um, minus but, the Felicity being a bad guy thing, because that's definitely... Yeah, this this episode was not great for that. Um, no. I think I think I think she definitely needs a heel turn. <laughs> <laughs> I I think they just need to kill her. Like I think she, she she's done all this character's gonna do, and she is such a divisive part of the fandom. I think they just need to kill her and get rid of the character because it's kind of getting in the way of telling a decent story. I don't but understand whatever. why we can't just have her in a limited role, like where she's kind of uh, um, oracly like watchtowery kind of thing. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you if could, they did that, that'd be fine. But they just keep kind of coming up with silly ways to put her, make her prominent, because they decided to cater really heavily to a certain part of the fan base in season four, and now they can't. Like, they demoted her character already quite a lot, and they can't just like turn her back into like the you know side IT chick that she was in seasons one and two. Um, and uh, dude, remember, remember, was it even last year where we we're just like, oh, dude, if Felicity's dead, we revolt, and then like it turns out she's not dead, but then we we're like, well, fuck, this is goddamn ridiculous yeah it was the early part of season three i think and yeah. then we were like oh uh you know felicity way to go and then by uh four or five episodes in season four it's like holy shit what are you guys even doing yeah why didn't they just put a bullet in her head not in her back yeah and so as it turns out it's uh the the season four seems to be largely driven by the you know sort of tumblr felicity fan base and it did not work out well as far as telling a good story. And so The Flash is doing a little bit of that with the whole Iris thing. Um, that actually I have less of a problem with. Um, but what I do have a problem with is the complete insanity that is the the way that they're writing the plot. Like we talked about this a couple episodes ago when um, Barry goes up against Grodd and the move he chooses to employ. He's not going to phase. He's not going to vibe. He's not going to throw lightning. He's not going to use his super speed to get he's the one He's just going to run full on he's into his run shield. straight into his fucking shield. And Barry keeps doing shit like that this last episode where he goes up against top and uh, mirror master what is barry's plan he doesn't run in and take out either of them faster than they can blink because no nope, totally i'm gonna not look characters. right into top's eyes yeah they're again. totally not characters that have any sort of control like grod you can be like oh grod's psychic and he can you know blah 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 um 
but with top and mirror master there's no protection from barry just being way fucking faster and so in this case barry decides to run and start monologuing stand there let top get the best of him and then future barry has to come save his ass because reasons um so yeah the flash is doing that a little bit more often than it really needs to also we'd previously... at least the wig is getting more work yeah that's true because I'm pretty sure it's the same wig that fucking Stephen Amell wore. They, they put that down and they were like, hey, uh, um, somebody over there was like, Berlanti's like, no, we saved that. We're not throwing anything away. We, yeah, you we keep that wig. We don't got a budget. Um, but uh, when... God damn it. I just forgot what I, I was going to say so I can make a wig joke. Um, it's probably fine, though. Yeah. I, no, wig joke was the way we needed to go with that. But uh, <laughs> there was a pretty distinct point I had to make. But... Um, um yeah it's gone now so You're talking about barry making oh, stupid decisions i know what i was gonna say um oh. we we in the in previous seasons we had uh sort of pointed out how nice it was that they did not go the tropey sort of bullshit hang cliffhangery feeling and that you know some they just got things out in the open and like a lot of the things progressed a lot faster than we expected them to in a lot of cases like uh joe found out barry was the flash really quickly yeah in, in what we thought was the season there was a lot of different things they, they, like, they escaped a lot of the pitfalls that other cw shows have yeah, suffered we, just, we got the reveal a lot sooner than this week's uh, uh cliffhanger which you were four weeks after a four week break, they decided to throw in this cliffhanger right at the end of the episode where, you know, they literally do everything but show the character's face. Uh, um, and that's all we, all right. So let's talk comics. Let's, um, we had some comics we read this week. Uh, there's a couple, I think that, you know, first off, we really got to get the big one out of the way because for me, this is definitely the big one. Flash 21. Yeah. And actually all three of us read this one. We did. Really? <laughs> Um, the Flash <laughs> twenty one. I heard comics and I just went. <laughs> and I don't think we talked about it last week. No, we did. We talked about uh, Batman. We talked about Batman twenty one. Uh, what Which was your thought on it? Batman twenty one? Wait, what? Batman twenty one. Batman twenty one. Yeah, you read it. I didn't read it. Yeah, what was your thoughts on that? Because we talked about it last week on the show, but like, you don't keep up on Batman or the Flash or anything like that regularly. So just from like an outside looking in point of view, like, what was your take on that? Um. I enjoyed the story. I was a little confused with what's going on with the whole Watchmen thing. So that's just it. So the Watchmen have always been treated as a separate entity, not part of like the DC canon universe. Okay. Um, and which is kind of how Alan which Moore meant it when he wrote it. What I figured. Um, but uh, Jeff Johns, when he wrote DC Rebirth number one, that started the whole Rebirth process for the first time ever. Like he incorporated the Watchmen into the DC universe as a whole. So um, Batman 21 is the first issue where we've really taken a look at anything having to do with Watchmen whatsoever. Um, which is why Eddie and I have been so excited about this whole thing. This, this whole thing is a four part crossover. It's Batman, um, Batman and the flash 21 and 22, like so four issues total. And I'm not disappointed so far no um this is also we've now gone through like about a year of rebirth and and with nary a mention four four years of new 52 at yeah. this point so, so the thing is though like this whole thing this whole storyline was really set up with the rebirth uh, uh and this was just titled dc universe rebirth and it was like an 80 page uh book and um it kind of set up the whole rebirth thing they, they have a variant cover first printing at matt's and it's like 33 dollars or something and i keep 
almost of, buying it. And every yeah. time I go in there and my wife's like, it's $33 for one comic book. You're not ever going to buy that. And I'm like, I know, but it's, I need it. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's kind of interesting because with the DC universe rebirth comic book, um, they set this whole thing up and we only got the tiniest, tiniest little taste of the Watchmen universe, which was really with a button. And so Batman 21 and now flash 21 center around uh, Batman's investigation of the button. And uh, we get some really odd side effects pretty quickly. We talked about Batman 21 already. Eobard Thon comes back. Um, Eobard's dead since Flashpoint. He sees, he sees the vision of, or not even the vision. I, I think he actually sees his dad. Like, I don't think it's just a vision. Yeah, he sees, Bat- and that's Batman we're talking about. Flashpoint Batman. Sees Batman. Flashpoint Batman, which is Thomas Wayne playing a very, very violent drunk Batman. Yeah. Um, Did you read Flashpoint? Uh no, but I watched the animated film. So it's it's it followed it pretty closely actually. Um, yeah, I think you got most of the strokes there right now. Uh, yeah, Thomas Wayne took up the mantle because mm-hmm. it was Bruce that got killed, killed in the alleyway. Um, it also drove Martha crazy to the point where she became the Joker. Yep. Um, yeah. And and so we yeah we have we have old angry drunk Batman which. I really liked that oh, whole aspect I, I, of it. I he did. murders people. Yeah, he, just he fucking straight up murders people. Kills people. Yeah, and then we get. Um, I think that's like I can't even wait for that. Um, like moment of character. I, I, you know, this is where I almost wish that they were doing something a little bit different than a comic book because I want more story built on that. Um, that you'd get out of say something like a, an actual novel or a TV series or something like where they can spend an episode or two dealing with that. But um, I just I cannot wait to see how they deal with that characterization. Like as Bruce learns about what kind of a killer his father is now, and Thomas learns, you know, exactly how pure his son is and how much his he's broken that's, by that's the thing the is, death of is, his father. Thomas Thomas is going to know because I mean, Barry already told uh, yeah. Thomas yeah. about this. And so um, they're going to talk. And it's I like I've read comic books for so long. I can't even remember now. But this, at this point, like I, I really, really get the feeling that it's going to be Thomas just being like, um, you, you're you've always been better than me and yeah. keep being better than me. And that kind of a thing. Like, that's how the speech is going to go down, I think. Yeah. Um, I just that I'm looking really forward to. And then we got this week's episode uh, issue, which was the Flash 21. Oh, I guess we should talk about them actually seeing each other for the first time. Like, yeah. Right? <laughs> so um, spoilers for the Flash. If you haven't already read that uh, and obviously spoilers for Batman 21 in comic stores now, go buy it. Yeah. So in the Flash 21, we've got um, sort of the Flash and Bruce having a nice moment where they talk about how they're both detectives. Matt, uh, you had some brilliant insight where you're like, you know, I never really thought about that 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 way. But Barry, I think, is like basically doing the inner monologue where he's like, mm-hmm. you know, um, as I'm, you know, explaining all the evidence and the different, you know, CSI shit to the Justice League, you can kind of see the rest of their eyes glaze over except Bruce. Bruce gets it immediately. Bruce is the only other detective. Bruce just wants um, to talk about the evidence, like, yeah. and all the time. We could spend hours talking about the evidence and, and the details behind, you know, whatever case it is we're working on and stuff like that. So I thought that was a nice way to set this up because originally when there was, I was like, they're doing the Batman and the Flash. And I was like, I don't know how that, whatever. Um, but now, and now I'm like fully on board with it. Like, I think that's a brilliant way to do a story like this um well and barry i think barry and bruce are a good pairing just because um bruce doesn't care for hal jordan no it's funny actually 
at all. Well, it makes sense to me because like Batman's entire thing is like Batman instills fear in, in, in the weak hearted criminals he's and whatnot. Cold, calculated, and he does everything with a purpose that's been thought out for, you know, uh, days, hours, months, etc. Whereas Hal is like, uh, I think that the way that I'm going to handle this is I'm just going to punch them with a giant battering ram or something like well, that. Well, and Hal's greatest ability is to overcome fear. So Batman doesn't hold that sway over Hal yeah. like he holds over everybody else, even other members of the Justice League. Like, you know, Hal Jordan's just like, whatever, he's just doing a fucking cost like i don't care yeah um in and fact that's one like, of the greatest moments and like i think is it rebirth that how just like just be. knocks bruce out like just punches him right in the fucking face i think it might be rebirth something yeah. like that. i don't think he knocks him out but he does he does punch him in the face there's a good movement good mo- movement uh moments there's a good moment like that in new 52 justice league 2 um because uh and uh, there's an adaptation of this. I think it's called Justice League War. Uh, it was the DC animated property. When Bruce and Hal meet for the first time in the New 52, um, it kind of highlights like that sort of interaction with them, um, where uh, Hal is kind of basically like, "I thought you were just you're just a dude running around in a costume. Like you don't even have powers." Like he immediately sees through Bruce's like, you know, like I'm larger than life and I'm the Batman. Nobody can tell. You know, yeah. he's like, "You don't even have powers. What are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, and. and uh, He's and and Bruce steals his ring in like four seconds, and so that that I thought that was a pretty cool moment where like um, Hal's like you know blah 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 I've got this you know superpowers in my ring and blah blah blah, and then five seconds later like Bruce is holding the ring and he's like what do you have? Um, so uh, I I loved that whole thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's a per- fairly good setup for that. Yeah, I I think everybody in the Justice League is relatively intimidated by Bruce, but like he and Barry, Bruce is fucking intense, is the thing. Like, yeah, even human or not, like he's he's intense. Well, he doesn't trust anybody. He does not. Like that's he's, the he's, doomsday stereo tower babble, depending on yeah, which medium you're talking about. He's got a he's got a contingency plan for anything. Yeah, essentially, but even himself. But I think yeah, I think Barry. And Bruce are, are is basically like uh, the Dwight Schrute of the Justice League, except for not an idiot. Yeah, no, and there's there's a lot of, of a lot of um, there's a lot of things in this book that that I really enjoyed. Number one, that line in particular that you're talking about about how they talk about the evidence. The other one is is after Barry's done analyzing the evidence and he's talking to Bruce as he's laid up in bed recuperating from getting the shit beat out of him by uh, Eobard. Yeah, and like. Bruce is like, there's something you're not telling me. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. And he leaves. And he's like, man, that guy would have been great in the interrogation room. Like if he'd, if he'd have been a cop instead. Yeah. You know, cause he knows, he knows like there's no, you can't fool Bruce. Yeah. Which is immediately shown on like the next page or two after that, when uh, Barry goes to the watchtower to go to their artifact room, basically all the magical and, you know, crazy shit that they pick up over the years. And Barry goes for the cosmic treadmill. Um, the cosmic treadmill is, uh, you know, sort of a uh, jokingly named, but it's basically a treadmill that can keep up with the flash. And um, so that allows him to, you know, enter the speed force and, and, you know, run through time and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Which and, here's, here's the deal. There's a little bit of a continuity gap here that I don't necessarily like, and I'm just going to rant for just a minute before we get back on track, but Wally, ahead. right? Wally, if we believe what the last several issues of Titans and everything else that we've read, Wally is capable of running faster than any other Flash that we've had. In fact, so fast that like if he keeps going, he'll get caught up in in the Speed Force and get stuck again, right? Yeah. But yet they need to use the Cosmic Treadmill to run through time, whereas Eobard can just do it at will. Yeah. See, I don't know. In this continuity, we really haven't seen Wally try to tra- time travel, so it's possible in this continuity they won't do that. But Barry well, definitely he, has used the Treadmill to travel through he time. He did break those limits when yeah. he was fighting... Uh, Cadabra or whatever like yeah. and and still ended up okay 
Um, so maybe maybe they'll get to the point where like they can they can time travel without the treadmill. But at this point, like they need the treadmill to. It's it's a it's a writing it. thing. Like they they can do it on. Uh, basically, it, it depends on who's writing the issue. I think. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, as as Barry goes for the treadmill in the architect in the um artifact room, um, Bruce of course immediately shows up. Even though Barry's like, I'm you know his inner monologue is like, I'm keeping this one close to the chest, and I'm not going to tell Bruce because blah blah blah. And then Bruce shows up in full bat regalia. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, Yeah, I wasn't going to let you leave did without you, me. Did you fucking think we were going without me? Yeah. And and he's like how did you know? And they, you know, they have that whole exchange. So that was kind of fun too. Yeah. And then, uh, of course the end of the issue is essentially, uh, they show up in the cave, uh, the bat cave, but it's not that bat cave. I know. He's like, did we go in the past? And he's like, no, I never had the gun. Yeah. He's like, this looks like the bat cave when I first started out and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but I didn't have that gun. What's, what's the, with the gun. And then Thomas Wayne, uh, Thomas's bat flashpoint. Batman shows up. I think it dawns on Barry. Cause he's like, Oh shit. Yeah, he's I like, I at. fucked up. I yeah. fucked up. Uh, so, um, anyway, th- we end on a pretty big cliffhanger with this. I-, I think this is a pretty big deal because flashpoint, I think is probably one of my favorite DC stories, uh, especially flash centric stories. And it had a lot of effect on the universe in general, um, that we've seen now with the new 52 and with rebirth. And so I like how they're tying that all together. Um, that's a big thing. Um, also, it's kind of cool that they, they did this Batman tie-in with it because that was the other thing where I think Flashpoint was uniquely interesting from the Batman angle of, like, they basically turned Flashpoint into, you know, it was this Flash story that was centered around the death of Nora Allen and stuff like that. They also really managed to tie in Batman and the alternate universe with Thomas Wayne and the Joker. Like, they could have done that with a lot of different heroes, and they did tie in a lot of different heroes, but it really became Bat-centric, essentially. And so now we're tying up some of those loose ends, too. So, I, I don't know. This, this series so far, to me, seems like a lot of fun and i really can't wait for the next two issues i wonder how much jeff johns had to do with this i mean mean, he's not writing either book right now but like i'm wondering if he like when he wrote he's like rebirth number one like bitches you're doing flashpoint just do it again like i wonder uh, yeah i wonder if he had like some some notes that he was like here you go like (laughs) this is the only way this makes sense so do this yeah um i think it's possible anyway x-books um x-men blue I read this and I like two hours ago and I still don't really know what happened except for at the end they want to send the young X-Men back. Yeah, this is um this is the story of how they came to work for Magneto sort of um had some really good dialogue between Magneto and Gene. Um yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on with Beast being all emo and whatever like you can you can play with dark magics whatever that's fine but don't be emo. Like Yeah, I think that might be the thing. Anyway, um, X-Men Blue I haven't I'm not super enjoying this book, which is funny because this is actually probably the book that when it was when these were, titles were announced, this was the one that I was most excited for and I thought was most up my alley, but so far I just kind of don't care that yeah, much. Yeah, that's, that's why I bought you that issue because I was just like, man, this is the one he wanted he was looking forward to and they got a cool cover so I'm going to buy it and now yeah. it turns out it's like, it's a, well, it, it's a good issue, and I'm still reading it, and I think I'll still read the next one, but I, I'm probably going to have to go revisit this one, because honestly, it, it was probably a little bit that we were watching the pay-per-view in the middle, but I didn't really pay here's, much attention. Here's my thing. I don't think Magneto is trying to send them back in time to, to keep them back in time. I think he's trying to send them back in time to bring Professor X forward in time. Because he's, he's all about achieving Xavier's dream at this point. Yeah, um, I'm on board Even with to that. the point where he let Gene probe his mind and, and like... at least he believes that's what he believes you know kind of a thing yeah um and so i kind of i think that's his ulterior motive is i think he wants he's trying to bring chuck back to to help out that would be amazing yeah yeah okay so now i'm a little bit more on board (laughs) Uh, like i said i I think i I probably missed a lot of points in this issue because we were watching the pay-per-view at the time and i don't remember this is probably during the bray wyatt match and i was like 
kind of tuning half in and half out of that match because it was a little bit like a train wreck in that you have to look at even if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, um, I, I have zero evidence to support my claim. I just feel that that's probably the direction they're going, especially now, given that in the, now in that the you first that, book. That, that's like right there. Like that, yeah. that's the only really thing that's going to satisfy me now. We, we didn't explore the Wolverine thing. There was no, there was no, um, uh, epilogue or backup story for this book like there was in, in number one. So, yeah. uh, who knows what's going to go on with that. But yeah. Um, Weapon X number two? This book I'm actually really enjoying. Me too. So Weapon X is probably uh, follows Logan a little bit and a uh, few other mutants, uh, notably ones with healing factors. Yeah, so Warpath. Warpath it was uh, the Lady center. Death yeah, Lady Deathstrike sort of took the center stage in the last issue. Mm-hmm. This issue, Warpath is getting a little bit more of that, uh, which is kind of fun. And then we've got the Logan slash Sabretooth team up, which is a lot of fun too. Another thing I noticed about this book um, or that's interesting is they still frequently refer to... Um, Sabretooth as Sabretooth and, and whereas Logan calls him Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody ever says Wolverine. Uh, that, that's something, I don't know, maybe they do and I just have forgotten, but it seemed to me like as I was going through this, like they will deliberately call Logan Logan. Like I, I, that's when I kind of occurred to me, like as they're giving the, the names of something, they said Logan and Sabretooth. So they're using code names, not like Logan and Creed, but like Logan and Sabretooth. Um, so it seems interesting to me that Marvel's going that direction because I think that's a little bit like they don't want to confuse old man Logan with Wolverine. So I, I think that's probably Logan, the case. But, um, and because because um, uh, Laura is officially Wolverine, like she's, she's taken up the mantle. Yeah. And so I guess in continuity, like you can't really call him Wolverine because it's like unworthy Thor versus, yeah. you know, Odin's son versus the Thor versus Thor. Yeah. who was Jane Foster. So yeah. that, that's sort of a weird thing that Marvel does in that, uh, you know, like, whereas we've got the flash, sorry, that was my ring scraping oh. against the table. Um, whereas we got the flash in which, um, there's now two flashes. We've got Wally West flash and we've got Barry Allen flash and they exist in the same continuity, but and they so, never really call Wally West the flash either. They just call him Wally. A lot of the times they do, but they, they do occasionally refer to him as the Flash. And notably, uh, Barry, uh, Wally has some dialogue where he's like inner monologuing and he's talking about how he is the Flash now, even though now there is another Flash, you know, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. When they brought, when they did the Flash rebirth, um, that was one of the things that they, they made a point to do is, is to tell Wally that he's no less the Flash than he was for the last, you know, fucking 20 years or however long it was before they. Um, they did that which so. that was almost a fourth wall break like they almost might as well have just like written directly to the audience and hey, said, hey guys he's he's still gonna be the flash too it's all right yeah you but know then how, he wasn't because you know we, we, we fucked up and we didn't put wally in the last uh you know four or five years of new 52 uh our bad turns out wally's still the flash uh we're sorry but that was like a year and then they did flashpoint and yeah. then wally just didn't exist for a long time yeah or he did but he wasn't the same wally yeah, so uh, I don't know. Interesting, interesting sort of thing that they did there. Um, but anyway, Weapon X, I, I'm really enjoying so far. Um, the it's story, fun. yeah. I, I don't think we need to go really deep into the story. It's pretty simple so far. So far, we've got some unnamed characters basically trying to collect these uh, characters with healing factors. We've got these weird android robots, which seem to be able they're to operating take on, out of a Weapon X base. Yeah, DNA property of the 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 characters they're going after. So they notably have healing factors and are able to, you know. Use, um, you know, say like Creed and Logan's um, ability to track and sense and stuff like that. So, a lot of fun so far. Yeah. X Men Gold. X Men Gold. Um, actually, really like this one too. Um, I, I, I think I was a bit more of a fan of X Men Gold number one than you were, but like the. I like gold more than I like blue this week. So, the, the story is actually good. Um, Ryan, I don't know if you caught on to this at all, but, uh, Mark Guggenheim is actually the head writer for X Men Gold. Like, as in Guggenheim, the producer of Arrow. 
who was also responsible for Arrow season four. In uh, fact, when we first reported on this, who made this decision? Marvel. Why? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. When we first made this, de- uh, when we first talked about this, we were talking about this on the heels of season four of Arrow, and we were like, "What the fuck, Marvel? Just yeah. what the fuck?" Like that. That's I think as far as we got with that discussion. Um, but as it turns out, X Men Gold's pretty okay. Yeah, at least it's okay. Good. If if not, I would I'd probably I like even it. go to say good. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. it. The the team's starting to come together a little bit. There's less. Um, the first book was more of an introductory book anyway, which I think is is important to do. Um, but book two was really more about, um, let's just have some stuff happen. Like, you know, we'll have, uh, and, and there was, it was more story driven. Like the X-Men were actually less involved with fighting bad guys through a good portion of the book, but it was, it was a, a pretty well-written story. So yeah, I enjoyed it. We have a new brotherhood of, of, of evil mutants, self-proclaimed brotherhood of evil mutants, which I mocked in the last issue. And this issue, they kind of like uh, might as well have stared at the audience and said like, no, it's okay. It makes sense because they think we're evil. So we're just going to take that moniker. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. The other thing I like about X-Men gold was actually sort of the finish part, how Wolverine gets untrapped. So we have, uh, what's his fucking face who Mesmero uh, Mesmero. We have Mesmero who captures Wolverine and they're like mesmero's all you know being super intimidating he's like you're trapped to uh you're tied up with adamantium chains and wolverine's like uh-huh or logan i should say old man logan he's like yeah okay so you should just skip the mind game bullshit because uh you need to make your move so i can make my move and mesmero's like <laughs> you're never gonna defeat me blah 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 and then like 10 seconds later wolverine's like hey moron the thing is, these are adamantium chains, but it's a wooden fucking chair. Um, and then just rips the chair apart and totally wrecks Mesmero's shit. Here's my thing, though. Where's all this adamantium coming from? I don't know. Like, it, it was at one time, you know, like, sort of like unobtainium, like, and, and you couldn't get it, and it was like a special thing. But now they're just like, ah, we got chains laying around. Whatever. Dude, I just did that whole puzzle of the periodic table. Unobtainium, not on there anywhere really yeah that is a massive plot hole in the movie avatar um from james cameron wow spoilers unobtainium doesn't exist actually i think it technically does now it's just not a periodic element yeah probably not because somebody somebody pointed out how obnoxious it was that they decided to call it unobtainium um even though because it was too on the nose and somebody was like well but actually there was an unobtainium and we decided to name it that because blah 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 so whatever yeah something like that yeah and then avatar the the people also made excuses about that was just a nickname and that's not as technical elemental name yeah that was the other thing like when that came out i think i was like well actually it's not actually called unobtainium that's just the thing that they call it in the movie because it's like a funny joke or whatever yeah yeah like black gold whatever um so uh anyway that that you know you're going to see the sequel anyway yeah i I did so um that part in x-men gold was probably my favorite part um just because it's logan being smart and i was i was impressed by how stupid that premise was actually like i was impressed by the the bad guy who's like we're gonna tie him up in chains and to i still don't know how he got the chains off of him though because like yeah, but they were still attached to his wrist. Fight through them, but, but yeah, but you know, you know, I guess I'm I'm just gonna you know take the optimist approach and be like, well, one of the guys that he beat up obviously had the key. Well, that's a little bit of the Guggenheim writing, though. Like, yeah, let's not focus on why why this doesn't make sense. Let's try to pay attention to the cool part. Which to get don't don't uh, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I, I'm a total sucker for, but he's yeah. like, but it doesn't matter what happened. Ollie cut off Merlin's hand. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Merlin is the one that beat Razal Ghul, who already killed Ollie once. Ollie yeah. just cut off his hand in like five seconds, and it's totally fine. 
Yep. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, X-Men Gold, any other thoughts? Uh, no, really dig it, though. Um, I'm still really pissed off that uh, Ardian Saif is such a goddamn uh, anti-Semitic Jew hater um, that decided to do something stupid on his very first issue because uh, his art's really good. And it we've is. only got it for a couple more issues now because he's been fired and... It is a little sad. Somebody so talented has to be a complete moron. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Mel Gibson. Uh, yeah. That's that's pretty apt, actually. Uh, I mean, speaking of anti-Semitic people. Yeah. All right. So let's talk wrestling before we get too depressing. Um, I'm going to grab a beer real quick. Okay, fine. I mean, we. you had me at hello. Right. So real quick, let's talk some hearty news uh, before we talk about the pay-per-view because you posted this in the show notes. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of a quick thing because uh, now having the hindsight of payback... Um, not a lot of this came to fruition, really. Well, this probably came together too late to do anything with, yeah. with payback necessarily. But um, apparently, WWE has reached an agreement with Anthem Sports um, to quote unquote buy the broken gimmick. Uh, so here's the deal Matt Hardy had it trademarked. And probably this didn't have to happen, but the alternative is going to court. Um, WWE could have won the court case. Uh, based on the trademark that Matt took out. Um, but WWE didn't want this to go to court. And the reason why is because as soon as WWE takes this to court and then wins, he's they're basically winning for the talent, saying that the talent owns the gimmicks. And that's not good for WWE in the long run in See, any way, shape, or form. I could take a different view on that a little bit, too. Um, so there's a couple of things I thought when I read this. Number one is that they could go to court over it. And the thing is that it wouldn't matter. If they go to court over it, it might not be resolved for years. Right. In which case, like, who gives a shit? Because by the time they get the broken gimmick back, nobody's even going to remember Matt's hair it. really will be gray and... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of bleached. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's that aspect of things. And then secondarily, the, the other thing would be like the other, you know, pragmatic approach that WWE could have taken and that I thought they would take probably was just be like, well, it's a good gimmick, guys, but it's dead now. Uh, um, so get over it because we're just, we can't do it. We're not going to fight for it, whatever. Uh, so that either says to me that the WWE believes in the broken gimmick enough and thinks that it's going to get the Hardys over enough that they wanted to go pay for it. Or it says to me that they wanted the Hardys enough and they know how important it is to Matt Hardy, uh, to get the broken gimmick that they, they decided to pay extra for it. So it's a little, of, a little of both like, um, with triple H, a little more of the former, uh, triple H definitely believes in the broken gimmick and thinks that it, it can be a big asset for the WWE. Um, for Vince, Vince just wants the Hardy Boys there, and if getting the broken gimmick is what keeps Matt there, then that's what they do. Um, from a legal standpoint, though, they really don't want a legal precedent that talent owns control of their gimmicks because I'm sure, I'm sure, that because would be... then they open themselves up to every talent that's ever worked with them, going, "Well, you know what? We were the Dudley Boys, and you said we couldn't have the name, but now you're showing that you know the, the gimmicks rock. belong to the us." The Rock is, I think, for sure, the most. Uh, uh, prominent of those. Yeah. Like he's a company guy though. Like the rock isn't going to be like, well, I'm going to take my gimmick and go. He is, but it was very notable when they, they would kind of pointedly refer to him as Dwayne Johnson, especially right as he was getting off of his WWE run. Um, and he's, he's been back and forth. That was his choice. WWE for a long time, but it is. And it isn't like on the one hand, I think he probably wanted to make a little bit of a break from the rock character, but on, on the other hand, he's the rock like no he people just know and and that's a part of his identity now he so. did make a conscious decision to, to switch from the rock to um dwayne johnson because the um the wwe events in particular um has always looked at the rock as as kind of a golden boy and has been willing to kind of let the rock do whatever the rock wanted to do and if he wanted to refer to himself as the rock in the billing of a movie 
Vince wasn't going to stand in the way of that because because Vince helped create that monster or juggernaut of a yeah for sure of a marketing tool. So I don't think that that's necessarily the case, but um, I, and I definitely don't think The Rock would have been like, well, it's mine and you can't have anything you know for it now. I I think The Rock is is he's a company guy just like the Undertaker always was, um, like Stone Cold Steve Austin is these days. Although Stone Cold has had some issues in the past with the wwe and walked out i was just reading some know, comments but, earlier today on reddit that was talking about stone cold in particular and i thought it was kind of interesting in that stone cold was a little bit of a diva and don't get me wrong it was probably for the best in a lot of cases but like he would do things like just flat out say like no we're not doing that and and like walk out over story decisions because they were bullshit or he thought they were bullshit i read the same the- comments and they talked about steve austin walking out twice and i don't remember him walking out twice he he left the company at one point by walking out, and that was over. Um, oh, they wanted him to lay down for Brock Lesnar. Oh, gotcha. And uh, at the time, he didn't think that Brock Lesnar had enough time invested with the company for a character like Stone Cold to lay down for Brock Lesnar. And Stone Cold was probably right at that point in time. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. everything I read too, same thing was like, yeah, he was probably right, but on the other hand, it's like you can't really run a business that way. Yeah, and he did leave, and the WWE buried him like the very that same week on Raw. Like they were like they had the Rock come out and talk about it. he took his ball and went home and this that and the other thing, and it took a long time for that bridge to be mended. But ever since it has been mended, like it was, you know, he's been a company guy. In fact, when he was going to retire. Uh, Vince was like, you can't make the announcement that you're going to retire because I've just went public and you'll kill my IPO essentially. (laughs) And, and, and he didn't, it wasn't announced that he was going to retire. They, they had the, the WrestleMania match at Safeco field. I don't remember. Was that 25? 19. 19. WrestleMania. Oh yeah, it was 19. It was way before 25. It was 19. Um, and, uh, and he had his match with the rock and laid down for the rock and the, the, the rock, um, you can see it when you watch, watch it like. The Rock will whisper something in Stone Cold's ear and then leave the ring, mm-hmm. you know. And I think people knew at that point that it was that it was his last match and whatnot. And um, but because they didn't make an announcement and and everything had gone public and the stocks were already sold for the most part, like it didn't it didn't matter by then. Yeah. And uh, um, which by the way, the the Rock said thank you and I love you, brother, before yes. he left. That's that's in case anybody wanted to know. Like, thank you, man. I love you. Yeah, yeah. That and, was another interesting like thing that you mentioned to me. Like you, you just said a, a second ago that like uh, Vince was kind of telling Stone Cold, "Don't announce that you're retiring because you'll kill my IPO." And uh, one of the other comments I read was that there's a lot of guys with a super lot of talent, but none, nobody that's even close to that level. Um, nobody that's even close to the popularity level of The Rock or the, uh, or Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, you know, Cena is probably the first name that comes up that's as close to that. In, in that uh, if you talk to a regular person, they will even have heard casually of, of this guy. Uh, um, you, if you talk to, you can say the words WWE to anybody in like South Korea and like their first words will be John Cena. Yeah. Like Bryce, Bryce actually was telling me about that when he was in Korea and, and said, John Cena, nothing but Cena. Yeah, like somebody said something about WWE and they said, John Cena! And like they said it so fast that like they had to repeat it several times before Rice realized they were they were saying John Cena. Yeah. And he didn't know 
because he didn't watch wrestling. He didn't know John Cena was like that big of a deal until he came back. And then was yeah. like, oh, this guy's huge. So anyway, what's but. interesting to me there is like uh, what I was reading that that I, th- I, I found like worthy of a little bit of a discussion is that um, the WWE is intentionally not getting letting guys get over that much because it controls so much of what they can do. Uh, um, and so, you know, like you're talking about, like Vince doesn't want, uh, Stone Cold to announce his retirement because it's going to kill his IPO. Um, you know, likewise, if you have a guy that's that big, like Stone Cold, if, if there was a Stone Cold of today or a rock of today, which there's not, like, I just don't think there's any guys on that level right now. Um, that's, that's the thing is I don't think anybody's going to intentionally, uh, block talent because here's the deal. If, if there's a wrestler who's going to get over, they're going to get over. Like you can't not. Well, but just imagine though, if we had gone back in time a little bit and Vince said, here's your script kid and, and made, uh, uh, you know, the rock stick only to the script and he never got to well, run the mic or stone cold even like the whole 316 is just simply because stone cold decided to rock the mic a little that's, bit. That's the thing though, is they've always tried to do that in some way, but you know, you've got between you and Vince, if you're talent, like you've got agents, you've got producers, you've got this, that, and the other thing. Um, and like Bruce Pritchard was one of the guys that would always be like, Hey, you know what? This is what they told you to say. And if you don't agree with it, whatever, this is live TV. So if you don't agree with it, go do what you're going to do. If it doesn't work, then you're going to take heat. Yeah. But, but if it does work, nobody's going to get mad at you for it. Do you, do you really and, think though that like, I see that's maybe that's the thing. Like, I don't think there's uh, um, a lot of like room in the WWE for that type of behavior right now. Like, I think that if um, Roman goes out and says whatever the fuck he wants on the mic and Vince doesn't like it, he's just not going to work next week. No, that's not true. If Roman goes out and does whatever he wants on the mic and, and the crowd pops like they've never popped before, then you have no choice but See, to put Roman on TV the next week. That's a little bit true no. because I do think that Vince is a little bit pragmatic, but like, but I think that Roman's going to look at that and say like, if this fucks up or if it's not an immediate smash success, like there's no, like it's going to hurt me. So I'm well, not going to do it. Sean Michaels said it best. And that is if you're going to pick a sword to die on, make sure you're actually willing to die on it. Yeah. And you that, know? that's what I'm saying. Like and maybe that's the thing is I don't feel like there's a lot of superstars right now that, that are going to die on that sword. Not that Sean Michaels has a lot of room to talk because Sean Michaels had Vince's ear and Sean Michaels, you know, people talked about on the comment thread that you're talking about, about Stone Cold Steve Austin being hard to work with and, and Vince saying he was one of the hardest to work with ever. That's not true. Sean Michaels was probably the hardest guy he ever had to work with because Sean Michaels owned that company. Sean Michaels had that company by the balls because he was the only thing worth tuning in for every week. That's true. When Stone Cold came up, at least there was other talent on the roster that, you know, was capable of, of, of putting on a good show. You know, you had Undertaker there. Um, the Rock started to come into his own right about the same time. Triple H was, you know, was rising. When Shawn Michaels was there, those were some lean fucking years, and there wasn't a lot of talent on that roster that could get over like Shawn Michaels could. So you had what? Michaels, Bret Hart, Diesel. Diesel and Razor Ramon are like the top four guys I could think and of. And two of those guys left in 96. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, anyway, I just, I thought the whole thing was a little bit of an interesting conversation of like, um, how much, because that, that's the real thing that I noticed is that, um, coming back to WWE in the last year or two, there really isn't to me like a guy like on those levels. And, uh, Cena's the closest, but, you know, Cena's not working really much at all right now. Um, he does some matches at pay-per-views, but yeah. not, not, uh, and I guess it's a little bit, you know, similar to, uh, where Stone Cold was at when I was watching, like he, w- he wouldn't work Monday Night Raw very often at the point that I was watching, um, 
so anyway, I just I thought that was an interesting conversation because there there's a lot of guys I think that are brimming with talent and that I think could be really like superstar level wrestlers that just aren't really that level and I think it's related to you know so or it could be related to a lot of those things where they just don't let yeah. it get over enough. I mean that you can say Jericho, but Jericho almost doesn't count because Jericho yeah. was there through those attitude years as well. And and I I don't you know don't get me wrong I love Jericho Jericho is probably one of my favorite wrestlers still working uh, or just favorite wrestlers period but um, Jericho's gonna work how Jericho wants to work like Jericho is mm-hmm. not really under any obligation to Vince or anybody else to just like to just follow a script you know what yeah, I mean like, and the thing is he has gotten over with the fans just it's hard to get over on the level that Stone Cold or the the Rock do and a lot of that too was the company like well uh, the Stone Cold wouldn't have gotten over nearly as much as if if he hadn't turned against sort of Vince and had the whole Vince versus Stone Cold storyline and really set himself up in that. But but that's the things like number one, like number like so Jericho's full on heel mode, right? With the list. Yeah. You know, but he gets you just made the list over to the point oh, where that's like, what I'm saying. it's like, just over. He's an amazing wrestler. He's an amazing wrestler. Like and, and his like even the gimmick that he chose he's chosen right now or that he's working with right now is is over with the fans. I do think fans really dig what he's doing right now. And and fans pop for him every time. Like well, when Jericho comes out, we're going to talk about the Jericho match tonight we will, actually, which we will. is I mean, but that's that's my point though in is that this is Jericho coming back. Presumably he's coming back to put new talent over for the most part. Right. But then he ends up having one of the best runs of his career. And in a, in a day where like everything's scripted, blah, 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 blah. I guarantee you they're giving Jericho scripts and he's like, you know what? This doesn't work. I'm going to do this instead. And it just takes guys that can do that. And it takes guys that actually have the talent right now. I think it's not so much that the WWE is holding them back. It's that they don't necessarily have the wherewithal a lot of them are younger talent. They came from the indies. They don't necessarily know. Well, see, that's a little bit of the thing too. Is I, I think that right now the WWE is a little bit more of a production than it is like in in the olden days, like in the Attitude Era. I think literally they were just fighting and clawing to do whatever they could to yeah. sustain themselves yeah. during the WCW years. So they took a lot more risks. Um, obviously, that's true when you see something like the Mankind Undertaker Hell in a Cell. Uh, um, obviously, they did some bigger spots back in the day because they needed to in order to survive the current climate. And I think that's a little bit true. <laughs> plus, like, plus in 98, who knew concussions were bad? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. You just bang your head against this wall <laughs> this 40 or 50 true. times. As long as you get up and walk away at the end, there couldn't be any adverse effects. Your, your brain can hit the side of your skull. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so... I think that it, it's just a little bit of a different era for the company because the the company to me seems a little bit more heavily produced, a little bit more scripted. Like, you know, like it sounds a little bit like if I'm talking about bands, like everybody's got their band that they listen to that they were like, oh man, only their first couple of records were good. And then they got way overproduced and they, they left the indie scene and blah, blah, blah. And that it feels a little bit like that to me. Don't get me wrong. I'm still watching the product. I still enjoy it. It's still really good, but it does feel like they've lost a little bit you, of that like indie cred. You aren't wrong that they are more heavily scripted and more overproduced than, than they ever have been. But they've always tried to do that. And it just took a roster full of talent saying, no, we can get this over this way. And this is what we're going to do. Yeah, Maybe that's what it is. Maybe just, and, I think the, the company is a little bit more beholden or the, the, sorry, the talent is a little bit more beholden to the company these days than vice versa. Whereas yeah. that, mm-hmm. that has not been the case in the past. Well, and so what I'm curious about is how much of that is the company in it's, uh, engendering that. Sort well, of and thing. it has to do with longevity of the talent. Like, here's the thing. A lot of the talent that we have is, is relatively young at this point. 
Uh, oh, I mean, Seth Rollins. If Seth Rollins, very few guys that have been there. Very if long. Seth Rollins stays healthy and he's there for another ten years, I guarantee he's gonna have. He's gonna be over like Rover. Like it's it's gonna be ridiculous. But um, it's just a lot of guys out there. Like Kevin Owens has been wrestling for eleven, twelve, thirteen years, something like that. Um, and that was before he came to the WWE. Mm-hmm. But as far as wrestling in a big time promotion worldwide audience that kind of thing like he just and he's good on the mic he's one of the better ones on the mic but he has the potential to be way more over than he is yeah um a lot of the talent right now i believe in this era is just trigger shy on making those risks and like you said taking that sword yeah, I just I th- I think that a little bit of that is the way the company's set up nowadays. Like, I think a little bit is 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 that that shit gets shut down a lot faster nowadays. I, I don't think it does anymore. I think it, I think that was the way it was for a while. But since Triple H has been in in uh, a more powerful position, like I think he's got a lot more influence over events, and he's probably a lot more. That's why the NXT guys that are coming up are so much uh, oh, ballsier. Yeah, that that's that's probably fair to say. Like we we could just be like in, in, you know because it's always sort of hills and valleys right. as you go through the the, the product. But anyway, Triple um, H runs NXT like Vince ran WWE during the Attitude Years, where it was just go out there and bust your ass, and I don't care, but just do what you need to do to get yourself over because that's how this business works. And yeah. and so there's a, we're we're going to see a lot more of that I think over the next few years too as the business transitions from. Uh, Vince's vision into more of Triple H and Stephanie's vision. So, yeah. and Stephanie's gonna, she's probably gonna still take the creative aspect of it and 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 head that up. But Triple H is definitely like in talent relations and and talent acquisition and stuff I mean, like that. That's where his he, bread and butter he is. Talent, like he he yeah. knows how the business works and he he knows how to do, how to do it from the ringside. So yeah. Anyway, that's the longest intro to a pay per view we've ever done. <laughs> to uh, well, we were you talking know, about the Hardys and the yeah. broken gimmick and whatnot, but to to um what you know I I I wouldn't call this a great pay per view. Um, so let's talk about payback. Um, here's the are, deal. I think. I think the matches in the pay-per-view, a lot of them were fine and they were yeah, good. One glaring exception to that, yeah, but we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that. The, the matches in this pay-per-view, they were good. So it wasn't overall a bad pay-per-view. It's just the way that they put these matches together didn't quite fit. I am I know that I usually try, try and stay pretty PC about things, um, but the build-up to a lot of these matches is total did, shit. Did yeah. you? You usually... Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty reserved most of the time. He's re- reserved in his opinions and yeah. chooses not to share them, and and certainly doesn't want to offend. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, okay. No. I just didn't want to let that pass without comment. Yeah, the build up to most of these matches going into this pay per view was complete shit, and there's some extenuating circumstances which lead to this. Uh, but overall, I just uh, man, the Intercontinental Title is a Raw title, and it wasn't defended tonight at all. Mm-mm. The Intercontinental Champion is Dean Ambrose for that matter, and he gets zero time on the pay per view, even though he's been featured on Raw every week leading up to it. See, that's a damn shame because uh, Ambrose, I think, really is one of their better talents these days. He gets more he screen is. time than a lot of guys out there, and just wasn't in it. The Miz, for that matter, wasn't really we had involved. that we had that uh, backstage spot with uh, Jericho and and Ambrose today too, and I think that sort of lends to what I'm saying. Like that was a legitimately that fun was, that, that was, was that was on Raw before the pay per view started. Oh fuck! 
because I was watching what I had DVR so I could catch up. Okay, fine. But anyway, that, that that'll still that'll still support my point. That was a legitimately funny thing. Mm-hmm. Like those guys actually can work a mic. Uh, th- those guys and, and Ambrose and Jericho both are very talented in the ring. Um, so those are the type of guys that like. How do you not put Ambrose in the pay per view? Like that. That's the thing that's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. And okay, so where do we open tonight? We open U.S. title. Yeah, it Jericho, was Chris Jericho, Jericho Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Which, again, good match. And uh, I really like this match, actually. So, the interesting thing here is that um, I think the winner was going to SmackDown. So, the way it worked is when they did the Superstar Shake-Up about four weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, is Kevin Owens went to SmackDown. But Daniel Bryan said Jericho still owed a rematch. It's going to happen at pay-per-view. Uh, at the at the payback pay-per-view, it's not, gonna, it's not a SmackDown pay-per-view. But whoever wins that match ultimately is who comes to SmackDown because it's like essentially he drafted the title. He didn't draft <laughs> the person. Yeah, essentially. Um, and so uh, we've, we've talked about this a couple times. It's been widely speculated that Jericho is going to be taking some time off to do some stuff with Fozzie and, and just not be there for a while. And so we're just like, well, he just lost the title to KO at WrestleMania. So that wasn't a surprise, but then he was on raw the next night. And then now he's booked for the pay-per-view in a rematch for, with Kevin Owens, and the winner goes to SmackDown. I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's the blow-off. Maybe Kevin Owens beats him for the second time straight, Jericho rides off into the sunset, does his thing, and then, you know, comes back as a new Jericho later on, you know, or whatever. Nope. Jericho goes over tonight, so Jericho goes to SmackDown. Yeah, so I have two thoughts about this. Number one is, fantastic WWE, because I was actually surprised by this one. Yeah. Um, secondarily, uh, I... I'm kind of curious, is, is this a real life thing? Like, so for example, um, doing a tour with a band has a lot of moving parts. I'm sure Ryan probably has done a little bit of this stuff uh, 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 on probably a smaller scale than Fozzie's doing, but still oh, same, far smaller, same, 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 same things apply though. You got to book gigs, you got to, you know, do work with managers and shit like that to get all this stuff to happen. And so I'm wondering if like that was originally the plan and something didn't work out quite right or whatever. And so uh, Jericho's like, uh, guys, you know how I said I needed to take some time off to do the Fozzie thing? I don't. So they were like, okay, well, let's rewrite some scripts and do some shit with that and, and you know, work with it. Um, the other thing that is still an inherent possibility is that he could be going to SmackDown and then just drop the belt next week. Like they, like you said, it could be that Daniel Bryan was trying to draft the title, not the guy. Um, so it could be he goes to the SmackDown next week and drop the belt and, you know, we move on. Yeah, very well could be. Um, as far as the uh, band stuff goes, I think that Jericho could have, he has managers and whatnot, and he could have just delegated that kind of stuff to them Yeah. as far as doing that. And I think Matt was telling me that they were supposed to go in and record a new album. Yeah. And usually, since he's the vocalist, vocals are usually done very last. Yeah, for sure. The writing process is usually done first, so that could take three to four months. And so, well, he can be like, hey, you guys do your writing music, send me demos, whatever. Once it's done, I'll come in and I'll record the vocals and then we'll go on tour and I can take my break. So we could have like three or four months more of Jericho on SmackDown. Yeah. It could be just be the, the, that the um, rumors that we've been reading for a long time now have just been getting the time frame wrong. And like he he's just, yeah, he's going to go on tour with Fozzie soon and uh, take some time off. But that might not be for, you know, until summer or something like that. So I'm looking at their tour dates. Their tour dates actually start May fifth. Okay, so then we're but, back to okay, but, maybe. May, but they run mostly through May, and then there's three dates in June. 
So, I mean, he, he conceivably work his schedule around yeah. that. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and there's even there's even work every he's done it Smackdown. before, hasn't he? Yeah, there's there's some breaks during May, but not many. Um, but I mean, it's also not to say that he couldn't easily like make an appearance for WWE and do something. He's kind of got that deal where like if he doesn't do house shows, it's not gonna kill the the company. Yeah, no, because no. Jericho's also the guy that before he made his big return to TV, he was doing like two week shots at a time with the WWE, WWE only doing house shows. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't be on the on the televised shows. Like he's not doing Raw, he's not doing SmackDown, he's not doing pay per views. But like he went and did a, a European tour with him where he wasn't on TV at all. He probably he probably did those to get the ring rust off. Um, it's uh, to get the ring rust off, and as well as is it also helps um live event sales, and it helps get the get the younger guys over a little bit more. So um, yeah, I'm, I guarantee like if you'd be more likely to go to a house show if you knew Jericho was going to be there. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, first match of the night, um, actually kind of one of the highlights of the evenings because I did, I didn't really see this coming. Like I really thought that KO was going to win, retain the title and that was going to be it for Jericho. That's how he rides off into the sunset to do Fozzie should. So do you want to go to pain in the grass in June? Uh, okay. In Seattle. I don't know. Remind me about this tomorrow, but it, yeah, probably it, it's a tour with Fozzie. Fozzie will be there. Okay. I'm just saying. Probably. I mean, it's not unheard of that we could go to that. Do Do we have any idea what the next match w- was? The next match was a uh, cruiserweight title. Oh, okay. Uh, this is Neville versus uh, Austin Aries. Austin Aries, yeah. Good match. This was. Um, this Aries? actually, and th- these two first matches like actually kind of set the pace for a really, really well-rounded show that I don't think the rest of the show was able to live up to minus one or two but no i i like this match a lot actually because they did um there were some good elements here in this match so number one aries carried most of the match he yeah. was working pretty hard for the match and, and you could see he was kind of um um uh, um controlling the match i guess i should say uh for for most of the the thing and neville was kind of getting his ass handed to him and then the finish i think actually worked best for both because aries still gets to chase and neville gets to get have a good heel finish so anyway what do you what do you yeah, neville thoughts? neville retained uh by dq and it was actually a clever dq it wasn't like uh i'm just gonna walk away and get countered out it wasn't like i'm gonna kick you in the balls you know blatantly in front of the ref uh Neville was in Austin Aries uh submission move. I can't remember what it's called. I got nothing. Uh, but, I think uh, this might be the first time I've seen him wrestle, I, so yeah. no, you saw him at Mania. Oh, I did. He, yeah. he wasn't here for Mania. And if he didn't watch the pre show, he didn't yeah, I no, did that watch right. Mania, but it's entirely likely that I skipped either yeah. the pre show or I was just like cruiser weights, so I'll watch it later. Yeah. Um I hint I didn't watch it later. But uh, instead of tapping, um, Neville ended up grabbing the ref by the collar uh, a couple times. The second time, he ended up throwing the ref over. Yeah. So, yeah, good match. Um, solid finish because it, it made Austin Aries look super strong, but also allowed Neville to, to retain the title and, and have that you know extended heel run like you were talking about. Um, honestly, wouldn't hate it if they kept the belt on Neville until at least SummerSlam. I wouldn't hate that either. He's although, do, he's playing a phenomenal heel right now. Although I want to see Brian Kendrick step up a little bit. I haven't seen Kendrick lately on the main event scene in, in quite a while. I haven't I, seen Kendrick at all. Well, I don't watch 205 Live. That's kind of the problem is 205 Live is a WWE Network exclusive show. And it's every Tuesday night after SmackDown. And I'm so shitty about keeping up on my weekly shows anyway. 
That, um, why try to add that to your list? Well, yeah, because there's three hours of Raw, there's two hours of SmackDown, then you got another hour for 205 Live if you're doing that, and then whatever pay-per-view is on, you know, every couple weeks. So I'm just... I just don't do it. Don't like, get me wrong, I like the product, but that's a lot of fucking wrestling. It is. It's, it's, it's like, what, eight to nine hours of wrestling a week? Dude, if you're a kid and you live at home with mom and dad and you don't got nothing better to do and bills to pay, then by all means, man, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. But like, Or if you're just a super phenomenally huge wrestling fan that's way more interesting in that than anything else, then go for it. But, yeah, man, fuck me. I, I, I got, like, a very limited amount of time that I want to watch TV anyway. And, like, my current problem is that there's always something that I want to be doing. Like, I'm sitting here with you fuckers making this podcast when I could be at home reading this story that I really like or watching, you know, this, you know, several seasons of TV that I'm behind on, Sons of Anarchy, I'm looking at you, etc. There's, um, you're not, there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to convince me that you'd rather be doing anything else but this right now. No, I do, I, I do like doing the podcast. We wouldn't have done it for two years if we didn't, because it's not like we make money off of this piece of shit. <laughs> this, other than my wife, is probably the most committed I've ever been to anything. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, this good match overall. Uh, I, I thought that was, this was cleverly done. We get to extend, uh, Neville as a heel run. We get to get Aries over a little bit because he had a really solid fucking match this time. Um, and we, I think, make the cruiserweight division a little bit more interesting because Kendrick was kind of chasing for a while and now we got Aries. Um, and they're all phenomenally good wrestlers. So, uh, I don't know. I like it. Uh, uh, it it's just interesting to me that Neville is kind of really heavily, uh, um, the favorite right now. TJ Perkins is actually, uh, running heel now. Uh, oh, he, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, That's like if you told me Bailey was running heel, I'd be like, well, what the fuck? Yeah, no, TJ uh, took some bad advice from Neville a couple weeks ago and, and turned heel a little bit. Uh, he actually had a really interesting match against uh, uh, Jack Gallagher, the uh, the, the yeah. pasty white kid. Yeah, I know. I, I immediately know who you're talking about now, yeah. And, and he actually has a move using the umbrella now. He calls it the Mary Poppins, and he usually uh, opens the umbrella and jumps from the top turnbuckle down onto the floor and, and kicks a guy oh god it's it's, it's cheesy but die already it, no it's cheesy but it's it's fucking great like i like i actually really enjoy jack Gallagher's matches because he's very um charismatic like there's there's a showmanship about him that that is is pretty fucking fun to watch i can see it getting old fast though so like he's got to do like whatever he does, he he needs to not rest on his laurels. He needs to um take chances with his gimmick and and just keep it moving. That's yeah. that's you know, he's my a, big thing. An MMA fighter too, right? No, yeah. TJ or Gallagher? Gallagher, Gallagher, pasty white boy. Gallagher. Yeah. Wow, he's, he's an MMA fighter. He like not. I think he submitted some dude in like first round in a couple seconds. It it doesn't surprise me because he's he's very technical in the ring. Yeah. Um, you know. Fucking Jason David Frank from Power Rangers is too. Like, mm-hmm. um, in fact, I don't think he's had a match that's lasted over forty-five seconds. Well, Jesus, he's good, but the problem is, is like, um, getting sponsored to fight is tough. And then when you have matches that don't last a minute, a lot of sponsors don't want to bite at that because it's like, well, we're not going to get our product out there that much. Um, he was he was actually trying to start beef with CM Punk. Like he yeah. he was hoping to be CM Punk's first opponent. I really wanted that to happen. I did too. Just mainly I think... because I wanted to see Jason David Frank walk out in the Green Ranger suit because that would have been or helmet that would have been cool. He would have owned CM Punk though. Oh, given given what CM Punk's first match was like. Yeah, it, it would not have been pretty, and then everybody would have been like, "Well, you're cool, CM Punk, but you got beat by a Power Ranger." <laughs> Worth it. But I mean, we're talking about a Power Ranger that has legitimately branded his own martial art. Like, 
and all this other stuff. So well, I, mean, I think that's the thing. Accomplished like, fighter. What what the difficulty here is that he's is that he's a Power Ranger. Like for for better or worse, for Jason David Frank, that that is by far stuck more than any other accomplishment for most people. So yeah, and I've heard horror stories about him, but I've met him, and he's a, he was a cool dude to me when I met him. So yeah. I mean, I can't say anything bad about him. Hey, him and Amy Joe Johnson were in the Power Rangers film. Like yeah. at the end of it, I thought that was pretty. cool. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, I saw it. I didn't see it. Oh man, I'm gonna now. I'm, dude, spoilers. Dude, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I'm totally waiting for it to come like to, to home video because I'm... Yeah, it's I actually think, not bad. We talked I would about have this. gone to the theater and seen it, but it was not playing at a time that was convenient for me to go. I think I said it during the show, and I, and I stick by this. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I think I said it during the show. Like I want to see this, but I'm just not going to make the time to go to the theater for it. Anyway, let's yeah. talk next match. Was that the Hardys match? or uh, yes. um, the tag? Yeah, mm-hmm. so we got the Hardys versus Seamus and Cesaro. <laughs> Another good match, actually. This is another Overall, good match. This card wasn't as bad as I have it in, in my mind, but the the bad parts were literally so bad they, they that I wanted to just tune out. It's like if you have a delicious meal, but there's a piece of shit somewhere in the middle of it. Like it's sort of like the only thing you really remember <laughs> is there's a piece of shit in the middle of it. Um, literally, that's that's probably this... the best way to describe this pay per view that I've heard so far. Yeah. So. Um, this match though, the Hardys match, we've got the Hardys, Hardys versus Seamus and Cesaro. Um, I was kind of expecting a little bit more of the broken gimmick because we had this talk and I thought maybe basically like we were just waiting to open the floodgates and let them go back to the broken thing, which is interesting because I've never seen that. I don't know what it is still. Like I know the chance of delete, 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 it's, and I know the broken gimmick and I've heard of Brother Nero and, and shit like that. Talking in a really weird accent. Okay. And, and, uh. God, Broken Matt is a guy who, at the pits of despair, like basically realized that he is an ancient soul in a younger body. So is he like a Scientologist? He's lived all these lives, and, and so yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. It's 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 kind of <laughs> like that, and and he's taken what's obsolete and deleted it and made something new. Like when he he beat Jeff um, in their big match that they had because it was a rivalry, and he. He beat Jeff and and took his name, and he was no longer allowed to be referred to as Jeff. He was now Brother Nero. Gotcha. It's so, uh, it's it's. Do, it would have it would have fit. Thetans? It would have fit really well if they'd have brought Broken Matt and Jeff and put them in against the Wyatt family. Oh, because because the Hardys had a compound, and they used to dip people in the lake, and when they came out, they'd be changed. A lot like the house with Sister Abigail and stuff like that. They really, really could have built something with that. But then they disbanded the Wyatt family right before they brought the Hardys back and had Randy Orton burn down the house. So. Because that could have actually that could have been really cool to bring back the days of like the factions it, in a sense. I really miss those. It They could have done something incredible with that, but then they didn't. So I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. It was it. I mean, it was gimmicky and really cheesy, but at the same time, it was the most compelling thing that TNA had ever done. So, <laughs> um, so this match actually comparatively is kind of boring. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there there is actually a couple of big parts of this match though that are interesting. Number one, uh, Sheamus kicks fucking Jeff's tooth out. Um, yeah, that uh, was brutal. So yeah, I have to assume that this is like a, a a cap or a tooth that Jeff has already lost because there is zero blood, and for all of like the set, like yeah, if you have a loose tooth that falls out, there's there's blood. Yeah, and, so. and this wasn't like he um 
like you've seen guys wrestle wrestle hurt before like you've seen guys take some big bumps and wrestle like that and this to me wasn't like that like it it was more like um he probably broke something that was artificial and um you know don't get me wrong that's still badass but it wasn't like i I think he kicked his tooth straight out or anything like that well Um, i mean i think but i definitely don't think that was now in retrospect that it was scripted or anything i think it could have happened (laughs) i mean either way but uh, it could have but I, i just Teeth generally bleed. Yeah, no, I, I made the comment that, um, and and I stole this line. This was by no means a Matt Tesson original, but um, he's uh, they 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 took chicken shit and turned it into chicken salad, basically, because that that tooth came out, uh, whether anybody wanted it to or not, and uh, and given given what happened after the match with oh, the it, with the, the totally turn worked, by yeah. Sheamus and Cesaro, like, uh it gave them footage to just play back over and over again on the, on the post show and stuff like yeah. that and be like, yeah, I fucking kicked his tooth out. Yeah. You know, like, so it, it, hopefully, um, first off, I don't think that that was a spot. I think that was legitimately just something that happened, but yeah, it totally worked in the context of this match because the, the context of this match basically had, uh, the Hardys retaining went over clean. Uh, I think Jeff got the swanton, uh, um, sandwich between, uh, was it Cesaro? Seamus and Matt. Seamus, Matt, Matt on the bottom, Seamus on yeah. top of him, uh, and Jeff Swanton on top. Got the pin on uh, Seamus and went over clean, essentially. And then uh, after the match, probably one of my favorite things is you can see the part where uh, uh, Jeff poses for some kid with a, uh, uh, a phone taking his picture with his broken-ass tooth. Yeah, so, big old, like, Cheshire cat fucking grin yeah, with the missing tooth. At some point, I, I just please, Twitter, help me out here and, and send me that picture. Dude, it's, it's out there right now. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sure it be. is. I just gotta go find it. Um, so anyway, that was totally awesome. And then what we get is sort of this turn. They show in the video package before this match that um, after the win last week between the Hardys and Seamus and Cesaro, um, Seamus and Cesaro and, and, and the Hardys sort of get up and they handshake and they're both good sportsmanship. It's actually two weeks in a row running because it was Jeff versus Cesaro two weeks ago and then last week it was matt versus sheamus and it basically oh so they're just bros each match each match had a hardy go over uh in a singles match and each match had whoever was not the opponent in there um get mad yeah but then see reason and then they came in and, and shook hands and yeah you know so after this match, um, they do the same thing. Everybody gets up. They're like, "Oh, good, good game, everybody, good game." Shake hands. You know, it's very sportsmanlike. And then as uh, the Hardys are doing their celebration thing, I think Jeff's on a turnbuckle. You know, doing his like chant out to the crowd. Uh, um, one of the- Cesaro mm-hmm. comes up and just kicks, kick the hell out of him. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff got off. kicked a lot. Yeah, so they get the uh, the Hardys kind of get their get the shit beat out of them, and uh, Sheamus and Zaro have we a little act- bit of a heel turn. And we did get color from Matt. Yeah, Matt. During Matt got colored during the match, and, and then it, and then after it got a little bit worse. Nobody knows where it came from either. It was just no. It just happened. I, I think yeah. that literally was probably just a stiff something or other gone wrong because I I don't think that it wasn't there big was, enough that well, it looked like it was a spot. It was just like a I, I bet he probably just landed wrong. Or something yeah, there's like a couple times where like the Matt got the best of a couple people. We'll talk about the next one here coming up soon because we're gonna talk about the women's match. But um, yeah, because that that blood on his eye didn't show up until. After he took the swing. Well, he was busted open, I think. And then I think when Cesaro was doing the swing, obviously it the forces blood. the blood to rush to your head and whatnot. And it- yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that that wasn't like a legit, like he didn't gig or anything like that. I think probably what happened is, you know, he went into a turnbuckle wrong or something. I, I don't remember. I'd have yeah, to go I back and rewatch the match and tell you a spot where that might have happened, but. 
but I think it was literally like I think it was just a it was a little stiff somewhere and uh, that that's how it happened. But it, it sort of added even again making chicken sh- uh, shit and chicken salad. That that again was another thing that like worked well for this match because when you want to turn Sheamus and Cesaro heel, you can say, oh yeah, it was the one where I I I made Matt bleed and I kicked out fucking Jeff's tooth. Yeah, um, it, it just works out very well. Although I don't, I don't think either of those events were planned. Like no, I don't think they were. No, yeah, I don't think so, they were at all. Um, Nice element there. Uh, next match, women's ma- women's uh, match. I think um, this was the next match. Yeah, yeah. Alexa was. and Bailey. Uh, yeah. For all intents and purposes, there was no reason to think that Alexa Bliss was going to go over in this match, but I really wanted it to end like that. Um, we talked about this when the match first started, and we've talked about this kind of with about a couple different people. Um, you know, over the last few episodes where we talked wrestling. I really think Bailey is one of the people that is a lot. She shines when she's chasing the title rather than when she's holding the title. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Alexa Bliss, I think, is one of the best performers in the business right now, male or female. Like, I don't think you can really differentiate there. We were talking about this beforehand, and, and um, if nothing else, her mic work is outstanding. Like, her mic work is on par with the best of the best um, in, in either division, men's or women's. Well, she's great in the ring, too. Like, when she's in the ring... Um, she wrestles as well as any guy that I've seen that's been good. You know what I mean? Like she's the kind of person that went to training camp to learn something and fucking soaked up everything that anybody would teach yeah. her. And she, she's, um, you know, I, I still think Charlotte's probably the best worker in the women's division, but she's not nearly as good on the mic as Alexa is. But Alexa's, Charlotte versus Alexa would be good though. Alexa's no slouch is the thing. Uh, like she's no slouch and she's tiny. Yeah. So it works that there's a lot of other small girls and like Bailey putting her in a, in a match against Bailey, I think is really interesting because Bailey's also kind of a, on the smaller side, even in the women's division. Bailey's five, six. Yeah. So, um, that's, she's average woman height. The, well, the, I mean, that's the thing, I guess the, watching the women's division. That's one of the things that's notable is that most of the girls are average women's, you know, whatever. And, uh, so you've got a few standouts that kind of screw it up. Like number one, when you compare them to the guys, they're positively tiny, like, oh, yeah. like, uh, if you just picture her next to a Reigns or a Cena or whatever, like they could easily just pick her up in the palm of one hand and just you know parade her through the audience or whatever. Alexa, yeah, Alexa's five foot on a good day. Yeah, so <laughs> Alexa's absolutely tiny, um, but she's such a good worker. And I think the big thing is when you're that small, you have to sell really well um, because. And you have to perform pretty tight too, because a big part that the big guys get, like we saw this with um, um, fucking Joe, um, Samoa Joe, Samo Joe, and we saw this with Strowman too. Like, if they just fall over, it feels impactful because they're fucking gigantic. Yeah. Like, if they just fall over, the ring bounces. Like, there's nothing that's going to stop that because they're just 250 pounds more than Alexa is. So that's what I find interesting about her as a worker is that she sells really well. Um, and I think I, I think she works pretty tight too. In that uh, she has to. Yeah, I mean, there's not. Like, there's just a, no way around it. Like being a smaller person coming from the business, you have to work tighter if you're smaller because all your flaws show that much more. Oh yeah, it's it's just harder to sell anything. She's I think. the opposite of Nia Jax, who I and and we talked about this. I think um, earlier before the the pay per view came on, is is there was a fatal four way two weeks ago on Raw. Um, to determine the number one contender for the match. And there was a couple spots where Nia, they needed to get Nia out of the ring so that the rest of them could actually like, yeah. wrestle productively because Nia's the quote unquote destroyer. And one of the spots was that 
she ran toward the turnbuckle when there was, you know, a couple of the, the other competitors in the ring and they all moved. So she hit the turnbuckle, but she slowed way down and was just really mm-hmm. cumbersome looking getting to the ring or getting to the, into the ring post. And by the time she hit it, I'm like that. I don't even believe this. Like that didn't. Yeah. You know, like she didn't, it was so sloppy that it wasn't impactful at all. And then she just was laying out for a little while. And I'm just like, well, that's why I don't like this big push. And it's not because she's a heavy girl. It's because she's not. She like, doesn't have the wherewithal to know. Be, being a big girl in the women's. Was right. You know, like being bigger in the women's division is an automatic leg up because, again, I just think it's easier to sell all of that stuff. Like, yeah. it's just easier like um, to make it make yourself look powerful. It's it's actually even kind of true in the in the men's division, too. Like, it's way easier to make Strowman look like the destroyer, even if he kind of sucks comparatively to some of the other guys. He doesn't really. I think Strowman's actually pretty decent. But, you know, it's the same, you know, like. He's got the same weaknesses that a lot of big guys do, and that it's also technically a lot more difficult. Like you're not gonna if you see Strowman do a Swanton, it'd be fucking amazing compared to Hardy, uh, uh, Jeff Hardy, who does one you know every other week. Did you um, know that the Big Show can do a moonsault? I did know that, and that's also amazing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he can do it anymore, but he used to. Oh, I think he can still do one now. So I'm just saying, like, the, I don't know it, his knees. Si- size plays a big part in in the whole. A lot of years. Sorry. Size plays a big part, and. Uh, Th- that's one of the so things you're I saying noticed size with Alexa. Does matter? Yeah, well, in this particular case, don't no. tell Alexa that though, because I totally would. <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, uh, size does matter. But um, in this case, like I think Alexa manages to work that pretty well, even though she's relatively small. I'm just saying it. I think it really actually makes it a little bit more difficult uh, to wrestle when you're that small. You know, like I get the same feeling from the cruiserweights. Like the cruiserweights do all this acrobatic shit, but on the other hand, when I look at it, like when they land something, even if it is like a technically way more difficult than fucking Roman Superman punch or something like that, I look at it and, and, and I'm like, there's no impact. You know, like yeah. so especially anything that has to do with impact, it's just harder to convince me of because like when you're Alexa Bliss, it's sort of like dropping an ant off a table. You know, the ant just hits there and they're fine and they walk away and you know just kind of annoyed by the situation. No, um, Alexa. Alexa doesn't really have a lot of wasted motion in the ring. Like she, like her her move set, like means something when it's performed, um, and she sells really well. And also, like um, all those girls work a little stiffer uh, than the guys do. Like you were saying, um, I, I think they do just because that's, that's a necessity. If you want to get that impact feeling, you yeah, got to do it. That's that's evidence when you look at um, uh, Alexa ring. Bliss's side later on in this match. About halfway through this match, like she's got like a giant giant mark on her side and it's 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 um matt burn or you know ring rash or ring rash. um you know just she, the same red she rash. Hit something pretty hard yeah <laughs> at some point yeah she definitely did um so anyway good match uh, alexa goes over clean in this one that was another surprise that we was we we've have been predicting i think even since wrestlemania that at some point sasha's going to come out interfere and much like we were talking about with ko and and uh um jericho which that's actually kind of how it portrayed a little bit. Um, we thought Sasha would interfere and actually cause uh, Alexa to win, and now it'd start a feud between Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, so Sasha's far, gonna turn heel at some point. 
yeah, so far that hasn't come to fruition. Um, and so, uh, so far we've just got Bailey and Sasha sort of helping each other out. Although I, I, I can't help but think that that's not going to last. I think they might just be shooting that for a bigger pay-per-view. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're running the build on it and, and I think they're going to do a slower build for it. And that's, that's fine. Cause I think it actually means more when it happens. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's weird cause I'm conditioned to the WWE where, when you see the inklings of something start to happen, like by the time you get to the next pay-per-view, like it's done and over with. Yeah. So basically, um, um, but I think that's maybe a little bit of a symptom of the business too. There's a pay-per-view every couple of weeks. Yeah. So. All right. Let's this is talk. actually the first one since Mania though. It's been a month now. Like, yeah, th- this, but this is one of the longest stretch for, for the last, you know, few months. Every two weeks we've been on a clip of recording. We had a five week hiatus between the last. I think it was a raw paper. I think Roadblock was a raw pay per view, and then and then we had uh, five weeks between that and Mania. But this is the longest part of the season. Like we'll yeah. we'll get pay per views every two to three weeks from here on out. I think. All right, so let's talk about the next match. Was that the? I think that was um, our favorite match of the evening. The the House of Horrors. Oh, fuck. Oh man. Just Christ Almighty! Uh, I don't even know that we want to talk about this too much, other than to say that look. Uh, we, we talked about this in Mania, during Mania, Bray had this like weird, like we'd pause and you'd, you'd, they'd use the ring as a canvas and show, you know, some, you know, video of maggots or or some shit like that. And, you know, they're using this gimmick with Bray and whatever. Uh, this match was just so shitty. Number one, the first immediate thing that takes us out of it is they're in San Jose. We're in the same time zone. It's uh, six o'clock when they're running this match, or six thirty, or something like that. It's bright fucking daylight outside, and this match starts in the pitch dark. Um, so we know that it's a pre-recorded spot. So, um, like, don't get me wrong. We all we all know this is a work at this point, but please don't make it so fucking obvious that it, it immediately takes us out of the thing. Secondarily, I I don't like this gimmick at all. Like this gimmick just looks shitty to me, and I just wish they'd stop. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan. It it was, Matt said during the show, like, they were taking all of the cliches of, like, just horror movies. Yeah, just they, take it, every shitty 80s horror movie you've ever seen and, and wrap every cliche up into a match and this is what you get. Yeah. Um. So that that's the other thing. Like, there, there's a lot of stuff going on that's, like, creepy because, for reasons, but it really has nothing to do with anything. And it's like, well, why does it even exist in this thing? Secondarily, it's like, why is this match even a thing? Like, th- this whole gimmick of having this match is, like, it's stupid beyond words. So, yeah, I did not like this match um, as we were watching it. I think this is the point where I was reading X-Men Blue. Um, and so, it, consequently, I didn't really pay attention either. And now we, we, we've got a situation where I neither care about this match, nor do I understand X-Men Blue. And so, fuck you, basically, WWE. To illustrate how... To illustrate Eddie's point, like, it's in San Jose, California. It's on the West Coast. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah. I'm on the West Coast. Pacific Standard Time. They're out there in a pitch black, quote-unquote, haunted house in the dark my wife's outside mowing the lawn in the daylight (laughs) (laughs) so and then there's the secondary part of like if you want to make it creepy it's not a good way to make it creepy because um you know i know that there's a lot of creepy houses around the neighborhood and the thing is is that they don't generally have black light shining on them yeah and here's the thing uh for anybody who's gonna you know call me out for letting my wife mow the lawn i vacuum today all right wow I mean, you guys are a real study in gender dynamic. It is, yeah, totally. Like it, you know, like Target separating the the you know refusing to separate girls' toys from boys' toys, quote unquote. Did uh, they do that? 
they the i think they're supposed to be integrating all of the toys together like oh that's amazing because the, the the last time i was at target which has not been that long like maybe this is something coming soon but it was still very like this is the barbie aisle and this is the power ranger aisle and fuck you if you don't like it yeah and walmart even goes so, so far as to like separate the legos like here's the boy legos in this aisle and then over here in the girl aisle is the the fairy legos yeah like it's really so, bad i don't know i'm sure i'll get shit from this <laughs> actually it's kind of funny right now my my son is wearing um quote-unquote girl pull-ups because we kept going to costco and they kept not having the 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 boy pull-ups so we were just like well fuck it and we bought the girl kind because there's really functionally no different except for one's purple and one's blue um and so the other day we were at a party and ash was like yeah um at some point kellen was playing and his pull-up was sticking out and i saw somebody look at him and they were like giving the like what the fuck i did and it's like it's just purple pull-ups just which is funny because kellen very cares. much looks like a boy i mean he does have longer hair but he uh, doesn't really anymore oh, did you get it cut again it yeah it's been cut fairly recently so it's pretty short like and even still it's been undeniable that he's been a boy for it, well a long he's time huge now. yeah like, that that's the other thing like he is gigantic yeah um, he we, like we were i was wrestling with my kids today <laughs> which is where the tweet came from it was like yeah it's really a lot easier to which power one didn't sell the power bomb yeah uh, yeah it was Kellen. He just got up and laughed like it was nothing. Um, um, <laughs> I think I think the kid might have a career. Yeah, but the thing is, it's it's a lot harder uh, for me to powerbomb a Kellen than it is for a Jackson, keeping in mind that Jackson is uh, seven and Kellen is three. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little ridiculous. Anyway, uh, that's a digression. So the House of Horrors, I, I think that's actually what we're trying to do is just block out that the House of Horrors match even existed because it, it, it's straight up bullshit the whole time. Here's the deal. I normally am like, I don't want to disparage anybody too much because I'd like eventually to like, you know, expand the show to where we can actually like talk to live people sometimes, you know, like the one time when we talked to Marv Wolfman. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, Um, I I like the Bray match. Like I like Bray's gimmick overall. Like I do. I do. I don't. I think it's run its course. I don't. I mean, I don't know what you do with him now, but like you can't. See, I, well, what that what I think they fucked up with is they went too far into the deep end with Bray's gimmick. Like it, when um, he was when he was a creepy cult leader, that was awesome. Yeah, but now you're like, oh, I'm the face of fear, Randy Orton. I've got a haunted house. Yeah, and I'm like, no, really? <laughs> like Taker's Taker's done some weird. Like that that's the immediate draw that I I bring to mind is that he's very much trying like or, or the company whatever whoever is very much taking on like a little bit of a taker vibe don't get me wrong they're different gimmicks they're different personalities and what have you um and different wrestlers wrestlers for sure but they're very much trying to go for a similar vibe or similar feel and on the other on the one hand i think well taker's done some crazy shit with his gimmick over the years but on the other hand it's like nothing this stupid though yeah, at well, least not that i can remember no they've done some weird stuff like yeah. with the lightning hitting the urn and stuff like that but i mean you just kind of accepted that as well. It's the Undertaker, and like it's always been more of a supernatural gimmick, you know, minus the biker years. But like, and and people accepted that because I think after the biker years, when when Taker came back as the Dead Man again, like we'd already invested so much time in what was the Undertaker that we were willing to go with it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm with, just not with this one at but all. But with Bray Wyatt, they really put the cart before the horse. I mean, you know what they didn't do. Here's the thing. We'll we'll talk about two completely different gimmicks. You got Bray Wyatt, the face of fear or whatever he is. And then you got Enzo Amore. <laughs> you know? You just couldn't get through the show without do- doing your Enzo impression, could you? I, I, I don't even know if I'm going to do the impression. But, like, 
you got you're good. <laughs> you you got Enzo, uh, you know, who's a, a bona fide stud. Go ahead and a straight up G, right? You can't take that too far. Like, what do you do with it after that? Like, it's just it's just a, a personality quirk. And then you've got Bray Wyatt, who started out as the crazy cult leader, but now all of a sudden has supernatural powers and yeah, and can make a house go from blue to red. See, that's where the point you know, like it, it gets it, it too just, stupid even for kayfabe. Like at that point, like, and I think that's what takes me out of it. It's like, well, guys, we know, like, we know Bray Wyatt's not actually magic. We know it's just a fucking projector putting the the fucking maggots on the the ring. So this is just dumb. Like that, and yeah. I think that's what breaks the gimmick for me. I think I think if I was Enzo, I'd say, "What do we got over here?" Brilliant cup of haters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway the other thing that we didn't touch on was that this house of horrors match was supposed to be a title match originally, originally. it started that way and then all of a sudden it wasn't a title match but there was no explanation as to why yeah they just <laughs> okay. stopped it all right so anyway that's all the time that i want to devote to this particular match it was shit later we'll follow up yeah. and we'll get Don't a weird sort of fucking ever do that again wwe uh, like, un- unlike the wwe where we later figure out that it's perfectly timed that the limo that they drive away in arrives perfectly at the arena um right after a different right match. after the video package yeah right after the a different match in the video package um basically the short of it is uh randy orton um comes into the ring hands bray his ass basically pulling his own gimmick like randy shows up out of nowhere uh, kicks the shit out of Bray Wyatt, but then all of a sudden, fucking the Singh brothers is it? Is it the Singh brothers? I guess. And, and, I thought they were. I thought they were Hispanic, but they were they were the Singh brothers. And, and Jinder Mahal come in, jump Randy. Bray goes over uh, Randy Orton, and, and the whole thing is just hot garbage. And I didn't understand most of it, and I didn't like most of it. So uh, just fuck this match. Um, okay, so the next match of the night, I think, is Samoa Joe versus Seth Rollins. It was. This happened between the two segments of the House of Horrors match. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, the this actually was a good match and i've never seen samoa joe wrestler wrestle although i do know that he is sort of one of the big the big pulls uh, um from one of the other uh, um um properties yeah. did he from tna uh he, or he did he did a long stint with tna Both. um had some great matches with aj and then he was with ring of honor um i believe after that okay I don't they, know that he went to new japan the guys in tna Shared TNA and at one time at least TNA and I believe ROH had a contract thing where wrestlers could go back and forth. No, they didn't have a contract between the two companies. What TNA did for a long time because they were struggling um, so much is they wanted to make sure their talent um, could go make money when they weren't doing tapings because TNA is is definitely very much pre-taped. I gotcha. Um, They'll do like five five weeks worth of tapings in one night. Okay. um, Or over a weekend or whatever. And, uh, um, at, at Orlando, I think, in, in Universal Studios, I think is where they do the taping most okay. of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, they wanted to make sure that when they weren't doing a pay per view or tapings, that that their talent could go make money. Uh, wrestling indies and ROH Ring of Honor is still considered an indie promotion, and so a lot of guys worked both at the same time. Okay, cool. So, so anyway, this was a pretty good match actually and and uh this is i think the first match that i'd really seen samoa joe wrestle and one of the things you guys both told me about him and like why he's a big deal is because samoa joe is a big fucking guy and uh the thing is though he's super agile for his size and we kind of saw some of that through the match there was like your like your average wrestler like not not a big guy like he doesn't have a lot of big man moves other than 
he can knock the fuck out of you if he wants to. Yeah. Like there was a couple of things that were kind of interesting to me, especially, you know, like going back to that size discussion we were happening. Like there was a couple of suicide dives from Rollins in which he suicide dives out into Samoa Joe. And you can tell that Rollins just kind of bounces off of him. But Samoa was like, Oh yeah, I got to sell this. So Samoa Joe just kind of falls over. Um, And then there was a couple of matches or a couple of moves. Like I think Samoa Joe actually um, suicide dives at Rollins, which is another, you know, like sort of exactly that thing. Um, Samoa Joe moves like a much smaller guy than he is. Um, even just little things like, uh, there was a, like a punch exchange between Samoa Joe and, and, and Rollins. And even just watching how quick, uh, Samoa Joe is with the jabs was kind of interesting too. But, um, overall, it, it was an interesting match. Nothing really on the line here, I think. I think it was just a, it was um, just a grudge match. Um, just a grudge match. But overall, pretty solid. Um, what do you think? Uh, I really enjoyed the match. I'm. This is, I believe, the first match I've seen Samoa Joe wrestle in the WWE, even NXT. I didn't see him in any NXT. Nothing. Yeah, neither did I. But I've followed most of Samoa Joe's career through TNA and yeah. ROH. So I had a pretty solid foundation in what to expect mm-hmm. from him. And the first time I saw Samoa Joe, I was like, dude, uh, this guy this big should not be able to do this kind of stuff. This is insane. Yeah, no, I, I totally got that too. Even even just watching the first, th- this singular match from, I can kind of get where everybody's coming from with like him wrestling like a like a smaller guy, uh, even though he, he's definitely not. Like he's definitely a big dude. He, he They probably, he's not tall enough, I think, that they could wrestle him like a Strowman or, or you know, p- really promote him mm-hmm. as a big man. But it, it's cool because they don't need to because he can wrestle, you know, you know like mm-hmm. every other guy. So I thought that was really a lot of fun. Matt, do you have any thoughts on the Samojo Rollins match? Um, other than I think it was a really well put together match. They told a great story in the ring. Uh, <laughs> this was probably the only mat, one of the few matches that actually had a build up that made sense. It did, it did, um, because oh, yeah, it started. Yeah. It started, you know, with uh, Samojo coming in and, and actually really fucking up Seth's knee, which obviously was not intended. Um, no. It just worked out that way, but it made for a really good build later on, and and WWE has has captured that really well. Um, I've seen Samoa Joe wrestle a few times in TNA. Uh, this is the first actual match, uh, singles match that I've seen him participate in because I've been really shitty about keeping up on the weekly product. Yeah. Um, although I did watch, I I, I saw all the episodes of Raw leading up to it, but I don't think he had a singles match in any of those episodes. Hmm. Um. So I don't know really how he's been booked um, from week to week. I do plan on trying to keep up a little bit more with wrestling. Um, I watched two episodes of Raw today because I was behind that many and the pay-per-view was today. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think it was good. Um, I, I do, and I mentioned this I think in the past, I think Seth needs a little bit... Uh, He needs a little bit more of a of a babyface gimmick. Like we don't really know who Seth Rollins is as a character yet, um, as a babyface. I mean, we knew who he was as a heel. He was he was the uh, the turncoat. He turned on the shield. He joined the authority. He was the guy that took the easy way out every chance he got. Um, it's really easy to do when you're a heel, but when you're a babyface, it's a little bit more difficult. And he beat Triple H at Mania. He beat Samoa Joe. Uh, tonight, although we're going to revisit this match because Samoa's Joe, uh, Samoa's, uh, Joe's shoulder was off the, sh- off the mat when he got counted the mm-hmm. one, two, three. Um, so Seth gets the win, but Joe stays strong in that he's going to come out tomorrow night and be like, well, my shoulder wasn't down. So you didn't technically beat me. Yeah. 
Um, so we're gonna we're we're gonna have at least one more match, I think, between these two. Um, but uh, once the revenge aspect is out of the way, like, where do you go with Seth Rollins as a babyface? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I can't think Brock, of Brock has the title, so you're not gonna have him challenge for the title anytime soon. And I wouldn't believe a Brock Lesnar. Rollins match. Rollins like, match. At no, all. you would only believe it in the in the sense that the last time it was Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank exactly. and took advantage of a situation and, and won the title that way. Um but in a, we've in done a that before. One on one though. You I right. couldn't right. it would literally it's ridiculous. So we need to know who Seth Rollins is now. Like how do you book him after the revenge angle is is done? That's yeah. that's my big thing. And I worry about that because I think Seth Rollins really has the potential to go out and be the company's babyface with Cena like kind of taking a step back and with, with Seth being on the flagship show. But uh but it really it's gonna depend on, on WWE on how they book him and with Seth on how he responds to that booking and and rolls with whatever I mean, you could have him run for the Intercontinental title. But him and Dean, they're all baby faces. You you would have to drop the belt from Ambrose and give it to the Miz or something. Another thing we could do, too, is we could have a Shield reunite. And I don't think that's out of the cards because they're all on Raw now. I I think they had a good angle with him actually like putting him up against Triple H. Uh, and I think if they expand that in some way, like then you got sort of a classic storyline of like uh, babyface versus the company sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. They, they, they got to do something with him because he's another like when I was thinking of like guys who have a lot of talent but aren't being utilized very well. Seth Rollins was probably the first name that sprang to mind. Here's here's how I'd book it. And this is just from the outside looking in. This is how I'd book it. And we'll talk about Roman Reigns in a few minutes, but he's going to be part of my 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 fantasy scenario. You reunite the shield. And you basically have Seth kind of go to the other two and apologize and maybe not beg, but, you know, kind of be like, look, it was wrong for me to do this. I shouldn't have turned my back on you. Like, let's go do this. This is who we are kind of a thing. Then you have Roman be the guy that turns on the other two. Because the heel turn needs to happen for Roman anyway. I think everybody, everybody recognized that. And I think the only way you get Roman over is to reunite the shield. And then you have him turn heel. You have instant heel heat because you just got him over as part of the shield again. And now he's turned heel. So you've got the instant heel heat there. We already know he's going to be the number one contender for Brock Lesnar anyway. So then you have him beat the title or beat Lesnar for the title. And you have Seth go after Roman in another revenge scenario for having turned his back on the shield in the first place. That's not bad booking. All right, so let's talk. No. Let's talk the the title. Um, so I mean, speaking, but I mean, speaking of could, Roman, you let's... could still keep the shield together by keeping Rollins and Ambrose together, but take what's his nuts out of it. You could, but that ends up being Rains. more of a tag team, and we've got a pretty strong tag division on Raw now with the Hardy yeah. being back. Yeah, and plus, so I, I don't really think that either of those guys are really you know like guys you want to feature in tags so yeah i mean you could i mean and, and, you definitely but, could but the problem is I, I think they'd be too dominant yeah for sure the, the, so. it just it, it looks like you know like if you put the rock in stone cold and i know they've done tag matches before but if you put them in a tag division <laughs> on a reg, on the regular it'd be stupid wasn't it wasn't it triple h and and stone cold when stone cold went heel that uh stone cold had the ic belt triple h had the heavyweight belt and then they were tag champs as well so they had the 
Yeah. The, the yeah. two belts each. All right, so let's talk the main match of the night, the the, the title card match. That's uh, Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. This is a grudge match. I don't believe there are any titles on the line. Nope. Um, so this is essentially like uh, we've got a very massive video package, basically of Braun Strowman kicking the shit out of Roman uh, leading up to this match. And Braun Strowman beating up an ambulance. Yeah, beating up an ambulance. Uh, Braun Strowman throwing people in garbage cans. Just Braun Strowman being way too fucking strong. Uh, Braun Strowman suplexing uh, a big show off of uh, second turnbuckle. Braun was on the second turnbuckle. Big Show was on the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So suplexing off the top and breaking the fucking ring um, from I, not. I think it was last week, maybe the week before. Just uh, Braun Strowman is a monster. They're definitely setting him up as a monster, and they're using him that way. Um, so you got that whole thing going on, and then you got Roman, who's had uh, Braun get the shit kicked out of him. Or, I'm sorry. Who's had the shit kicked out of him by Braun for the last couple of weeks? So we're setting up this grudge match, and um, I know at least I said going into it that they've they've got to put Roman over with this match. Like I think uh, the whole all... thing is probably like set it up so Roman can win it, so they can make Roman look strong again. Um, yeah, guys, Luna has some really strong opinions about Roman she Reigns. She did Ta- tail wagging pretty hard, which means she's the only other Roman Reigns fan. No, Besides she really kid. she yeah. she recognizes that Roman has talent. She does. We were talking about this before, too. Um, but, uh, but she thinks it's time for a heel turn as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, this match was... For what it was, it was okay. It yeah. was not a bad match to watch, but um, I think we all agreed that as much as they've built up Braun and as much as they're building up Roman, like these guys really shouldn't have met yet. It should have no. been prior to Roman. I agree, and I also think they're actually overbuilding Strowman a little bit. It, it should have been prior to Roman beating or or meeting uh, Brock Lesnar for the title um, rather than this being the first big feud outside of Mania after he takes out Taker. Yeah. Uh, that That's kind of my big problem with it. Um, I wouldn't have booked it that way myself, uh, but I'm not a booker, so I can't really tell you. Yeah. The, I mean, overall, pretty... Uh, you know, good match. There's a lot of big spots. Roman comes into the ring wrestling hurt, basically. He's got, you know, ace bandages wrapped all over his shoulder. I think that gets sold pretty well. Braun works the shoulder a lot. Roman does a pretty good job selling it. Most of the time remembers that he's not supposed to use that arm. So overall, pretty good. Um, and then basically what we end up with is, uh, Strowman wins. Roman is even more injured. He's barely walking out of the ring. Uh, the um, steps, the steel steps, and then into Strowman his abdomen when he's laying this, out in the yeah. in the ring. Um, here's the problem with with Roman Reigns, and if Vince didn't see it before, like I hope he does now. But like all this happens in complete heel fashion. The match is over. Uh, Strowman grabs the steel steps and just absolutely fucking crushes Roman's ribs abdomen yeah. area. For any other guy, you'd be going, holy shit, Strowman's an asshole and the whole crowd would be on, on the that side. The entire arena, though, is chanting thank, thank you, you Strowman. Strowman. Yeah. So, um, Roman's getting his ass handed to him. The audience is loving it, even though this is supposed to be a massive heel turn. So, Or, or not heel turn, but he, he's... Yeah, he was already working heel, but... This is supposed to be a heel move. You're supposed to be hating Strowman at this point, and the audience is totally into it. Um, so that's a little bit stupid. Um, although I do I do think, like, as far as, like, the product, they're still selling him as a, a face. 
And so I still think they managed to do a good job making Roman look strong. He came into this match hurt. He managed actually to hold his own pretty well in the match. He did end eventually end up losing. Um, that was me. Sorry. Um, he did end of it eventually lose, but you know, he's, he can come on the next week and say, well, yeah, of course I lost. I've just had an ambulance dumped on me and some, you know, shit. And I was wrestling hurt, obviously. Um, and then, you know, whatever, but he still gets up, walks out of the ring, does the whole blood thing. Um, so anyway, I think they made, they made him look strong, but I think that for everybody involved, the takeaway should have been the audience hates Roman right now. They hate his character. I don't know that, um, it's enough, like, Obviously, the audience wants something different, and I, I'm not sure if that they. I don't think anybody goes and says, "Gosh, I got to go to Raw this week because I want to see Roman." Uh, and yeah. they, they go and say, um, uh, or or even if they go and say, "I want to see Roman hurt," um, which you know, if they they went and say, "I want to see Roman hurt," um, that would be fine if he were a heel. Um, but since he's wrestling face, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, here's the thing: if I'm booking, if I'm booking the territory, I. Uh... I'm not putting Roman on TV for tomorrow night and I'm not putting him on next week either. And then for the next pay-per-view, I guess I'm going to book this as, as going to be Roman versus Braun Strowman part three. Cause now they're one up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm having Roman come out and say, I, I shouldn't have gone up against you, you know, at, at half strength. I should have waited until I was healed. Next time we go up against each other, like we're both going to be hundred percent. I'm going to beat you. And then that's exactly how it plays out. Yeah. You know, if I'm building Roman up, you know, to go, to, to, to go against Lesnar, which which I guess we are at this point. Uh, that's what I do. Um, and that's I don't think it's unrealistic that you couldn't do a shield reunion in the middle of that. Like, because you don't no. necessarily have to have <laughs> Roman be at full strength. In fact, you could have the faction together and have dean and seth do most of the of the work while he's healing and whatnot and he kind of acts more as a manager role in the meantime like you could do a lot of things with this right now i don't necessarily think they're going to i don't think the shield reunion is probably a a, a thing that's going to happen i think it should but i don't think it's going to well, i just they i really want them to do something different with roman because i think with the right moves he could get over he's not a he's not a bad wrestler I mean, he's also not the best worker, but let's face it, like, The Rock is is a good worker, but he's not the best worker, and neither is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, so th- they're trying to push Roman to that level, but they just haven't know, the given us... The Rock's a pretty fucking good worker, no, even he, now. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll take that one back if you, a little. If you look at WrestleMania, was it 28, when he came back in, against Cena? Yes. The first one? Mm-hmm. It was like The Rock hadn't taken a day off. Yeah. And he, wow. like, he literally hadn't wrestled in like six years. He's so. he's also insane. So I, I, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me that he didn't spend every single day in the ring leading up to I that mean, for the pre- previous six months or something. So previous to that, with his match against CM Punk at that that year's Royal Rumble. Well, there was two years he fought Cena at WrestleMania for two years, and then the yeah. Royal Rumble match was between those two. I don't remember which one was which, but it was the second one. Yeah, and. The first one, Cena, or CM Punk made fun of The Rock when he went up against Cena because you could tell The Rock was blown up. He's not a big cardio guy. Mm-hmm. He never really has been. But he, he also carries a lot more muscle than he did when he was doing yeah. it. So it's going to take more. But yeah, he still looked phenomenal. He moved like nothing changed. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a good fucking worker. Like He didn't really miss a step other than, like you said, the cardio and whatnot. But... Um, 
you can yeah you can still be over and not be the best worker in the business uh stone cold used to be a more technical wrestler than than he he ended up being because uh after owen hart dropped him on his head he had to change up how he did things brian pillman same thing brian pillman used to be a huge technical guy and then he broke his ankles Mm-hmm. Um, in a, in, I think it was a car accident. He broke his ankles, and then he, when he came back, he wasn't the same. He had to change up how he did things, so he became more of a physical, yeah, guy. Uh, a lot like Stone Cold, he turned into a brawler. Um, yeah, I'm just saying, like you, you don't have to be, like you don't have to be an AJ Styles to be like a superstar of that caliber. But the thing is that he's not going to be until they do something like interesting yeah. with him. You, the the biggest thing is you have to understand your limitations and work to your strengths. Yeah, for sure. And and that's what Roman's not doing right now or what the company is not doing with Roman. I don't know who's more responsible at this point. Yeah. But he he's just they they if they want him to be as big as they they're pushing him to be, they, they've got to do something different to get him there. Yeah. Anyway, that's the show for this week, folks. Hey, um, I got one more thing. Okay. Not a huge thing, but I mean, we're only 3 hours, 3 and a half hours into this, yeah, so stick around. The backwards hat gimmick, all right? <laughs> It's not a thing that I'm doing because I like wearing my hat backwards, uh, but I haven't had a haircut in like six months, and my hair is getting to that length where I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck, I don't know what to do with it," and I hate it. So I just I'm, I've been rocking the hat backwards lately. Um, yeah, who knows? Even after I get a haircut, I might still do it just because a lot of people think it's weird. So yeah, fair. Anyway, fair. That's a it's a gimmick that could work. Yeah. All right. So as I was saying, we are at whatever show on Twitter. If you want to tell us all the things you loved about this episode, um, hopefully. If you have questions, you can email us those questions at questions at whatever.co. Yeah, and facebook.com slash whatever show if you're into the Facebook thing. Um, as we always, we do reply to messages. We do. We, we do. We've done um, it before. If, if you are the WWE and you're like, man, they're putting out such great content about the product, we need to sponsor them. Sponsors at whatever.co. Yeah. Um, except for if you want us to hype up the House of Horrors match, because we're not going to do that for any amount of money. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I'll do it for pitiful amounts of money, probably, but I'll I'll feel bad about it the whole time. Yeah, maybe. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Later.